Welcome to You Hear Big Girls, Attack on Titan podcast. I'm Mom Taku. And I'm Luna, and this is our anniversary podcast. To celebrate, we've invited all of our guests from the past year back to join us. Mom, what did you think? Did I you think, think we were we- absolutely crazy to invite 70 people <laughs> to be on the podcast. That's what I think. And uh, I want to blame you for this because I don't know whose idea it was, but listen, it was mine. It was both, yes. probably, okay. maybe mine, but you were the one who provided everyone with so many possible times to join. I thought True. we were going to have one or two, and then we had like <laughs> 11, and everyone was able to join. And I regret it. And I don't Do at the same time. It was fun recording with everyone, but it's, oh, it was not great to schedule, and it's definitely not been easy to edit. Well, with 17 people, we had to break it into four sessions because it's just too hard to record with more than five or six people at a time. It definitely was intense. And yeah, so we've recorded all the sessions now. We've edited uh, two and a half of them. So we're doing this intro after we've done, I guess, the bulk of the the recording. But yeah, I mean, looking back now, it was total insanity. It was, and I'm never doing this again. And I think you probably agree with me. <laughs> this was fun <laughs> and a so one-time kind of deal. <laughs> yes, lesson learned. You do not have 17 people on a podcast. But at the same time, it was important to us, I think, that we used it as a way to thank everyone who supported us this past year, uh, especially the people that helped to make the, co- the podcast special, all of the guests. You know, they've... Do- dedicated a lot of their time to it as well. Each of our recording sessions is typically three to four hours in length. So every guest that we've had has really, um, you know, they've put a lot of effort into it and we wanted to let them know that we appreciated it. Yeah. And it's kind of heartwarming that basically everyone agreed to come back. And, you know, that tells me that they enjoyed being on and yeah, it just makes me happy (laughs) to know that they, that we didn't scare them off for life. (laughs) Yeah, the only ones that we get back were Heidi and Amica50, who was on our live stream conversation. I think those were it, right? Everybody else makes Um, a return in the next couple of hours. And Cash, right, who left the fandom. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we had some extra guests as well, surprise guests. This will probably be our longest podcast yet with four groups recording. Well, I guess whether this was brilliance or insanity on our part to have 17 guests, we'll let the listeners decide that for us. (laughs) So welcome to our Chapter 120 discussion. Our Chapter 120 mega discussion. Mm. (laughs) Our our podcast. Battle Royale. Yes. Go, 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 shawty. It's your birthday. We gon' party like it's your birthday. We gon' sip a party like it's your birthday. And you know we don't give up because that's your birthday. We're kicking off our chapter discussion with a group of people who have something in common. We met them all through the Andrew All Stars Discord channel. A uh, little personal history there. This is all Renan's fault. I met him shortly after starting the podcast, and he introduced me to Andrew. And I've been poaching guests from his <laughs> server ever since. So I'd like to welcome back Sol, Renan, Angrian, and also from Andrew All-Star Server, we've invited our friend Polka, who's been responsible for the quickfire rounds that have ended each podcast. So let's start with chapter impressions. Sol, you first. What did you think? 
Hello, I'm Sol. Uh, I was on the Chapter 112 podcast when Eren was a dick to Mikasa and Armin. <laughs> um, and yeah, so my general thoughts in this chapter was that it, it was probably my favorite chapter of the year, to be honest, because um, I'm very interested in the entire Paths realm. Uh, some people aren't a big fan of it, but I'm really interested in because it's just the most creative thing in the story. So essentially, if I were to rate this chapter out of 10, it'd probably be an eight. The only issue I had with it was that it just felt too short. It felt like half a chapter, which does make sense because I assume um, the memories are just going to continue for next chapter or maybe the chapter after that. So I'm kind of reserving my full judgments until all the other chapters are out exploring this like memory exploration brother adventure thing. And yeah, that, that's that's pretty much my thoughts. I've actually gained a new appreciation for Zeke, to be honest, because uh, I like how Isayama subverted uh, expectations with him because most people expected Zeke to uh, essentially not be uh, kind of be helpless in this situation because everyone expected that you know Aaron was going to betray him and then Zeke was just going to cry about it. But no, he he pulled the uh, Uno reverse card on Aaron again. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I've you know got some ref uh, respect for him. He's got some like leeway in the situation. So that kind of you know, there's some conflict there rather than Aaron just taking control of everything. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much my thoughts. What about you, Renan? Okay, so I'm Renan, and I appeared like on chapter 110 when Zekli was killed. My impressions of the chapter were something along the lines of what so fought to. I really like that the art in this chapter, you can generally see when Isayama is having some fun with the chapter because the art greatly improves and the panels get much bigger. We get some like double spreads. So this was artistically a better chapter than the previous ones, in my opinion, especially the previous one. It was satisfying to see no memory bullshit uh, around this chapter, like something manipulation of reality, just exactly what, what we expected, uh, the contact, with Zeke and Aaron, seeing the paths, learning something more about the connection that they're gonna have, like who controls it, and just seeing this realm for a, a more extended period of time. I agree with Sol that the paths realm is something that is one of the most interesting elements in the story, and it was kind of a, for some people, it might have not been any as interesting, and some people might get a bit sad or mad that we're getting uh, a bigger focus on this, which was beginning to happen around like from the Uprising arc on chapter 60. But overall, this was a good chapter. And I think it, it would, to give this a score, it would have it heavily rely on the next one, because as Sol said, it feels like the first part of a couple of chapters of a whole. So yeah. Well, I'm very interested to talk with you about this chapter because I feel like we've read two completely different <laughs> chapters this month. But for now, let's go to Angrian first. Angrian, what are your thoughts on this chapter? Hey, I'm Angrian. I was here for chapter 118. Um, and I've kind of been holding off my judgment of this chapter until the next one comes out because it kind of felt like the first half of a two-parter. So I don't think... Mm. 
I can really give any thoughts on it until we see what happens next because there wasn't really, at least for me, there weren't really that many big reveals in the chapter or any big emotional payoff moments. So I really didn't have that many feelings towards the chapter. And then we have our last guest, Polka. Polka, what were your thoughts? Hello, I'm Polka. Uh, I'm a prolific shit poster on the Reddit, <laughs> on, on the Titanfall Reddit, Reddit so uh, free as up. And uh, I did the quick fire rounds. I make them. My thoughts in this chapter is it's sort of like the, uh, it's like Isayama's perfect blue ball. He just, just teases you enough greatness and then just ends it. Like just dips out halfway through. You know, oh, it just, I, I get my soul in, but it's half a chapter. God, it was rough for me after that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it ended very abruptly. I was like, are there pages missing? I felt like Historia holding up the letter. Is this all? Where's you yeah, know? <laughs> basically. Yeah. I was Reiner. I was like, what, what, what? <laughs> so Luna, you're the only person I've heard who absolutely disliked it, or you thought it was boring. Yeah, it was boring. It was slow paced. Not a lot happening. I just the whole memory, like Pats, is like my least favorite aspect of this entire manga. I know people love it, but I'm one that doesn't really care for it. So this chapter was all about Pats. Naturally, I didn't like it. The pacing was off. Not much happened. I felt like everything we saw could have been condensed, especially the the second part with uh, Zeke and uh, Aaron being like the ghosts of Christmas past or something. That could have been condensed to a couple of pages. So, yeah, it was a slow chapter for me. It was also a little bit weird uh, what was presented. And, I yeah, I wasn't very excited about it, especially since last chapter was such a banger. I was hoping for a little bit more, but hey, who knows? Maybe maybe next chapter it will all make sense and it will be a great build-up to what's to come. But for now, I'm uh, I'm less than lukewarm about it. And I guess for me, I thought it was hilarious. Like I <laughs> laughed so much, almost every page. And I listened to this morning, I listened to Andrew's live read and like I laughed where he laughed. It was, there was just so much absurdity to me in this. I mean, I, I do appreciate the insight into the pals realm. I, I think that it was well done. The art, Reen and I agree, was gorgeous. But just this constant game of like brotherly one-upmanship, the whole reverse Uno thing, I just, I, it was, I, I think too that when we got the chapter or the Besatso Shonen magazine cover that had smiling, of course, everyone started freaking out that this was going to be, you know, this chapter was going to hurt us. And it didn't. It was actually, I mean, literally time stood still. And these two characters we've been curious about got to talk. And I just, you know, it was, I was so relieved. I feel like I generally appreciate the more talkative chapters of Isayama. In comparison to the to the battle ones, I generally feel the same way, but it has to have some kind of substance to it, and I didn't feel there was much to towards Aaron and Zeke's conversation for there to be just that much in this chapter. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think it was supposed to be kind of mind fucky, and the thing that I liked about this this chapter was that um, a lot of the most kind of interesting or impactful information was entirely visual like this is a very you know image-based chapter where you know the, the the effects relied on the artwork and the memories and the you know the, the shattered memories all, all over the place and Aaron just crawling as a baby doing his thing uh and I don't know I just, I I just thought the artwork made 
made this chapter good despite its lack of substance? I think Isayama, I mean, you can say that he could have crammed all of this information into like fewer pages or maybe uh, half a chapter. But it's obvious that Isayama doesn't do doesn't want to do that. He wants to show you the entire setting before we transition to paths. He wants to show you the, the landscape and how it looks around the, the coordinate. And I mean, it's just a choice of presentation. It's he he slowed down the pace so that we can take all of this in more slowly. That would be nice if we knew there was a lot more left to go, but he's already said that he plans to be done in about a year or so. Yeah, but top chapters, I think, is a lot of content to uh, to finish up a manga, like 10 to 14 chapters. I feel like in the past year, a lot has happened, but also very little at the same time. Like we had the whole Jaegerist, where we were back to Paradise, and things didn't quite go the way I thought they would go. But on the other hand, like how much has progressed since? I mean, the only real development in this chapter was um, was Grisha and a little bit on the paths, a Ymifrit's path go. Especially like Grisha's memories. Like there's there's been some hinting at like, you know, Aaron's memories like through his life. Like, I don't know, the flash you see right before you die, <laughs> as people called it. And then we see Grisha at the chapel way before he was supposed to be there. And then he sees Zeke as an uh, old man. And those are like things that are hinting at stuff that could happen in the future with this manga. Like maybe they could influence the past in some way. I think the most important uh, thing this chapter established was that e even though there's a conflict going on in the external world, there's a conflict mm. going on in the internal past dimension world. Uh, yeah. It isn't just a case of Eren dabbing on Zeke and then <laughs> activating the rumbling. It's like Zeke yeah. has more leverage than Eren. So it's, it's, it kind of all relies on Zeke's perception of his, you know, his daddy issues uh, yeah. to see where the story is going. So I, I kind of like that, you know, that there's still some conflict going on. So. I, I mean, I like that he showed Zeke as um, being in more power than we had initially thought yeah, he would initially be. Thought, yeah, initially thought, yeah. Yeah, but um, I'm I'm not really like the focus on Zeke's daddy issues and how Aaron, mm. you know, grew up with a loving father as opposed to how he grew up, and you know, uh, I'm I'm okay with that. It, it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> like the most insightful. No, kind of and they're making it. Yeah, I feel like Isayama's making it up to be this big plot point. Like, oh, Zeke will see how good of a dad Grisha was, and he will. I don't know what he will do, but I don't think that's going to happen. That is too obvious. He'll realize his dad loves him, and then he'll be happy, and then you know yeah. he'll, he'll, say, he'll save. Oh, yeah. he'll and save it's sunshine the world. and rainbows yeah, and unicorns. And everyone will hug each other. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, we know from the final audio that that's not going to happen. So. <laughs> I was talking to to humble the other day, and discussing that maybe Zeke will change his mind, but even to an even worse decision. You know, like Zeke is obviously. Uh, a take on anti-natalism. So he doesn't want anybody to be born anymore, at least not the audience. But we always discuss that maybe it's kind of strange that he only thinks that only Eldian lives are suffering. And I talked to Humboldt that maybe he will extend that to every human life. 
and maybe he'll he'll try to sterilize the audience and then release the rumbling on the world so that humanity can die off. Didn't he say that Eren wanted to do that or something? He mentions that um, first we need to sterilize the audience, then you can release the rumbling. Well, it was rumbling on the uh, the army. Not necessarily every single person, but just, just the army. Just a partial one, yeah. The small-scale rumbling. I don't know. I, I feel like Ze- Zeke is just a heavily emotional and biased character because of his own childhood experiences. So I don't think he'd want to destroy other races, uh, like in Mali and stuff. I think he's just centered on Eldian life because his uh, his childhood experiences of Eldian discrimination essentially means he doesn't want any other Eldian kids to experience that. He, he doesn't really he doesn't really take the anti-natalist mindset to its utmost limit by just getting rid of every single human life on the planet i mean he might like it is a possibility but i think it's just i I don't think he'd go further than eldian lives essentially i don't know because i I don't want to see zeke take like agree with aaron or take the good way you know like in in the opinions of the viewers inherently i see zeke as an extremist and he if he's going to shift as an extremist I want to see him shift in another extremist way. I do think that all this is going to lead to Zeke's day of reckoning, right? Like he's his whole um, ideology has been built on the fact that his that all Eldians suffer, that his father hated him, that blah blah blah. And not to make this about Irwin, but um, oh, oh my God! God. <laughs> oh, come on! Oh, fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> there came a point where Irwin needed. To like prove to himself what his motivation was. Was it for family? I mean, was it for humanity or was it because of his like personal interest in issues? What was his motivation for moving forward? Zeke all along has said that his motivation is compassion for the Eldians. Through all these noble sounding words, which I, I, I'm just not convinced. I think Zeke's problem is 98% daddy issues that he's kind of rolled into this noble sounding excuse. So I feel like that day of reckoning is, is coming and he's going to see that he's been wrong his entire life about everything. And he's going to have to make a choice. Is he actually compassionate towards the Eldians or is he hung up on his issues? And I think that's, you know, where he's just gonna like his true colors are going to be shown. So that's kind of where I think he's going to see that he's wrong. Um, that his father loved him, that, you know, the real issue is probably other characters in his life, but yeah. um, not accepting that is where I see this going. I do like how he's the closest thing to an antagonist, isn't he? So, Well, he has to be. Yeah, exactly. So it's like in the most climactic moment, we have like the two dominating ideologies. Aaron is essentially pro-natalist and Zeke is anti-natalist. So it's it's a good kind of showdown uh, and conflict just because it just goes against everything Aaron stands for. Well, let's get into that paths realm. I know that several of you cited that that was your favorite part of the chapter. Any thoughts? Tree symbolism. That was cool. And like Nordic stuff. Yeah. Trees. <laughs> it all comes down to trees in the end. Does anyone know how to pronounce Yig? Is it Yggdrasil? Oh, Yggdrasil. I mean, I know because I played Final Fantasy Thirteen: Lightning Returns, so I'm happy that everything is like my great interests are slowly merging together. I played Ragnarok <laughs> online, so I know. 
Oh, yeah, of course, then it would be in there. <laughs> that makes you all professionals. The, the thing that I was kind of disappointed with the design of the, the coordinate three paths thing is that it didn't have only nine branches. It, like, it spreads around the whole dimension. Well, I think that makes sense because all audience are connected to it, not just the shifters. Yeah, yeah, all the audience are connected, but I would have wanted to see, like, some, like, nine bigger branches and then smaller ones. Yeah, because nine, nine is, like, the number in Nordic. And in the first chapter of the manga, Aaron wakes up from the tree, and, there, and it has nine branches on it. Wait, really? Yeah, it does. And, and that, that was the, uh, the biggest panel on, like, the flashback collage thing, uh, just... That, that moment where he's looking at Mikasa asking why he's crying and then the tree's like in the background. Then Aaron says that it feels like he has woken up from a long dream. So maybe like, Oof. maybe maybe Aaron and Zeke will get into uh, child Aaron's dreams and try to show him something. I don't think we're going that far. I hope they don't manipulate the past. I hope it's just like a from an observational point so Zeke can realize, you know, how, uh, how emotional and deluded he is. Path is becoming a human instrumentality from uh, Evangelion, basically, where Zeke just, works, <laughs> Zeke just works through his problems, you know? I feel like if we did a poll at this point, who is in most need of psychiatric help in the Shingeki world? Everyone. Um, uh, everyone. Uh, yeah, everyone. but I mean Zeke. Um, Zeke. Reiner. Yeah. Depends what for. Uh, no, because no. Reiner's still kind of saying... Yeah. No, and no, Reiner's no. only a threat to himself. Yelena. <laughs> oh, Yelena, yeah. Yelena and Zeke are the ones that need it yeah. the most. Is Yelena beyond help, though? I wonder. I think, I think Yelena and most of the Jaegerists, like Flock and everything, should be in like an asylum somewhere else. Like, <laughs> No, Flock did nothing wrong. He was the only <laughs> one that was right. Flock did nothing wrong, but Flock's also completely insane. He's great, but he's insane. <laughs> From the 104, he's the one that believed Aaron from the beginning, and he was right. <laughs> was he? <laughs> yeah, he was. He was he, you're going to see that Aaron probably will, will, will choose the, the best thing. That some people were theorizing that uh, since Ymir is a slave now, Aaron is going to free Ymir Fritz from the paths, and then she will be reborn as Historia's child, which, which will also be uh. called Ymir. And then Aaron will so cool. hold her and say, you're finally free. <laughs> <laughs> and then the world ends around him. And then uh, actually, Renan, Renan, um, our, our, our like two year long theory that Ogweno is the source of all founding matter. Is, uh, <laughs> kind of, it, it's been debunked this chapter. So it's kind of sad. Well, you see, yeah, actually, in the next chapter, we're going to see Ogweno come out right. of the center of the coordinate. <laughs> And say, yes, yeah. I was the one controlling Ymir Fritz all along. I, I really think we need to have the uh, wiki team back on with the Andrew All-Stars team and do the Alguino versus, versus Moses, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the actual battle royale between yeah. those the two most groups. important characters in the, the story. A yeah. little bit of insight. Knee of justice, boys. He's going to knee air in the face. Yeah. Alguino's still alive. Yeah, that's true. Checkmate. <laughs> According to the wiki team, so is yeah. Moses still alive, so. Moses is <laughs> yeeting titans, you know that, right? <laughs> Wasn't in the first chapter, there was this, like, 
soldier that looked exactly like Reiner Moses and his surname Braun. was Braun or Brown? Yeah, yeah that's Moses. Moses, Moses Braun. Oh, okay. Right, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> this, actually, that, that has changed my perspective quite a lot. He might be more important than Ogweno. How dare you leave the Ogweno cult? Death. That's heresy, please. <laughs> Cease. But yeah, I remember, yeah, Renan and I literally had like a two-hour theory exploration on Andrew's stream. It's just about Ogweno. Anyway, that's kind of a big tangent. Yep. <laughs> Top 10 crack theories. <laughs> two hours, I will never experience that kind of joy again. Two hours well spent, I think, is not the right term. It's like one of the best two hours I spent in my entire life. Yeah. Talking to Soul. <laughs> <laughs> if only Soul Madness was here. Oh, he, he, uh, he died. He died in a car. car crash. <laughs> I do like that uh, the source of all organic matter turned out to be kinetic sand. Play-Doh. Yeah. How do you guys feel about the, the fact that all of the Titans... And all of the regeneration is just Emir Fritz building them in the past realm. That's kind of what I got from 115. That's what I assumed, at least. I thought that the girl was just Ymir's will, essentially. It's why all the Titans look better and better, because Ymir is getting better at making them. <laughs> well, the thing is, she must have been there since, I don't know, she died? Or I don't know what happened to her, but like at least for almost two millennia but also time works differently in there so she's been in there for god knows how many years yeah yeah i mean she's a she's a slave to isayama so (laughs) so is everyone though isn't erin a slave to the story or he was he was (laughs) no everyone is a slave to ymir but then ymir is a slave to isayama isayama is the devil behind the scenes essentially and we're all slaves to isayama as well apparently yeah yeah we are yeah our wallets certainly are jesus if Yams is a devil, I'm basically a Satanist. <laughs> <laughs> so what's been discussed, I think, uh, ad nauseum is who's in control of that founding Titan power and that confusion over uh, exactly what Zeke meant when he said that he had the founding Titan power. And uh, Saul, I know you've got some thoughts on this, some confusion that you've had to explain several times, but I thought it might be good if we go ahead and include that in the podcast as well. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't know about the wider community. It was just in the uh, in the Discord chat. I, I was explaining it for like three hours straight, and then I got kind of mad at the end and just rage quit. Um, so <laughs> I, I think it's like, so Zeke. Okay, so Zeke touches Aaron Aaron's head, and because Aaron has the coordinate power in him, the founding Titan, he got tra- Zeke got transported to the past realm next to the coordinate. He didn't get transported into like a random place in the past realm. It was like specifically next to the uh, coordinates. And then Aaron appeared later in the past realm for some reason that wasn't really explained. And I assume in that time when he was gone, Zeke broke the what's it called the vow of pacifism. The vow of renouncing uh, war. Yeah, yeah, exactly. War. Um, because he was the first shifter of royal blood to go to the coordinate area without having the founding titan in him. He was just a shifter with the beast titan, not the founding. He didn't have the founding titan. So he was able to break free from the uh, the vow. Uh, yeah. And then he kind of, you know, duped Aaron by pretending that he was shackled, but he actually wasn't. But Aaron still has the founding titan within him. But because Ymir 
is loyal to members of royal blood. She's more loyal to Zeke than she is to Eren. So they both have the potential to control her. It's just Zeke has the upper hand. Yeah, that makes sense because it seems that all of the, the shifters seem to have a degree of command over Ymir Fritz because when they will it, she builds their bodies and regenerates them. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. There's one thing I wanted to uh, go over, though, which is um, why Zeke was there before Aaron. I think the simple answer is just because Aaron got his head blown off, so he needed time to regenerate in the path realm. And in that time, Zeke was already there and just waiting for him to get up. Zeke had been there a while, though. Wait a second. Yeah. Aaron had to regenerate in the path's realm. Yeah, just like in chapter 115, where we see, like, him rebuilding Zeke. Ah. But... Aaron was unconscious for the mo most of the time. Because they, they, they get transported to the past realm in the physical state they're in, in the real world. So Aaron was like a headless body. <laughs> so Ymir had to like... Oh, where did she build castles. him up from? From the head? Or Our from... bodyless head. Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe she built the body and that's why it took long, not the head. <laughs> okay, okay. So, yeah. so basically, so angry and what you're saying is that Aaron had the same experience that Zeke had, he just doesn't remember it. Yeah, essentially. Like like most of the shifters don't remember, do they? Okay. Like you made in Okay, so anytime a shifter is horribly injured, they essentially not their body, but mentally or whatever, they're they're they get sandcastled, essentially. Yeah. The fact that it, it might be that when they lose consciousness in the real world and they are being rebuilt, it increases their chance of awakening in the past realm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, essentially everything that happens related to Titan powers is done by Ymir. It's manually done. There's nothing magical about this, aside from the fact that this child is rebuilding people by hand. Well, there's yeah. nothing magical about it. If you exclude the different dimension with endless time and child slave for all of eternity building sand castles that make Titans, there's nothing magical otherwise. Well, essentially fourth dimensional. No, I mean, I like how um, uh, Ymir was kind of portrayed as, like, more intimidating. Like, she was doing, like, a Jojo walk <laughs> towards Eren. Uh, I, I, I like that, because uh, in Chapter 115, she was just, like, this kid building building Zeke's body. But here she was, like, you know, she, she was actually quite... She was creepy there, she was, too. She was, like, quite scary. Yeah, she was creepy. In 115, too. I know, but, but she was especially, like, creepy. Her face was shaded. She was being all... She wasn't speaking. She was being mysterious. So. It's like she's a slave. It's like classic Japanese horror-like film, something like that, with a creepy child. The ring. <laughs> she's the girl from the ring. <laughs> yeah. She'll crawl out of the... I don't know. What's, what's like a TV? Oh, the buckets. The buckets. <laughs> Does anybody have any theories about how the time is forever and yet an instant? That, that you know, in the time it took for... Sandcastle girl to rebuild Aaron to a form where he could function in the past dimension that the aging that went on and does anyone have theories about that or do you think we'll get explanation on that paths Pass. well I think it was said that that paths uh, transcend space and time so it's essentially like a fourth dimensional thing so the time flows in the past realm but like no matter how much you age in that era in that dimension you won't physically change in the real world I guess, unless Ymir rebuilds you. Well, I have an idea. I think that the passage of time within the, the, the past realm is like either an illusion 
and it simply doesn't matter. The effects of the passage of time, you aren't able to to uh, experience it. But at the same time, from the past realm, you can access any point in time uh, of uh, where there were memories. So like the, the time is kind of flattened. In, so instead of being like a long line of a succession yeah, of events, it is a single dot. Well, yeah, it's like fourth dimension. Yeah, basically. 4D chess. Mm. So what it feels like is that also uh, people were talking about they're going, them going to the past and changing something. But this all feels like more deterministic, like that the events that would happen in the future already affected the past. Something like, you know, Game of Thrones and Bran's power, if any of you have watched it. Oh, God. Yeah. So we're saying the Aryans were going to become the king. Yeah, yeah. When, when, when we when we get some like time loop and time travel stuff, why? Well, I, yeah, I, I I prefer just like passively observing memories to actual influencing the past. But I, I don't know. Maybe Isayama can like pull it off in a good way. It seems like it's possible since Grisha saw Zeke. So some communication with the past seems to be somewhat possible. But I don't think Isayama go yeah. that route. But but I like influencing past, no. They don't seem to be in control of that. And also, baby Aaron also saw Zeke and Aaron. Yeah. I'd rather it be like a ghost situation than actually controlling the past to change the future. A Zeke must carol. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I mean, he looks like Santa Claus, but yeah. Uh, he looks like Scrooge, actually, with like, the white hair and everything. <laughs> I really like the point Andrew made about the... Um, and Rian, and you're probably noticed this as well, the artistic choices as far as... Uh, Zeke appearing very messianic, always in white, shining, even though, you know, Aaron dark in the shadows. Uh, I thought that was interesting. I have my things on that. <laughs> because he's he's so pure. I like how he also, his, his boy light is degenerated because he's been sitting down so long. He doesn't have to defined yeah. abs. <laughs> he's like he a newborn to. baby, all nude and innocent. Innocent, yes. <laughs> we'll go with that one. Or maybe he's immature like a child. Because he's basically a four-year-old. Uh, am I the only one that doesn't like Aaron with long hair without facial hair? Like, I, I feel like he looks too much like Frida. Yeah, he does look a lot <laughs> does. like he, yeah. he, he needs like the goatee and the mustache. Yeah, that's like pathetic facial hair, though. Yeah, but it's facial hair nonetheless. Yeah, but he's like 19 years old. That was my facial hair when I was 19 years old. <laughs> Are we saying that Aaron has low testosterone levels? Exactly. He's a soy boy. <laughs> <laughs> he has just spent too much time, like just eating potatoes and and carrots. No, the the attack titan is practically the embodiment of testosterone. So I don't know what you're talking about. He got the injection. No, talking about. I actually remembered something that I saw on the on the subreddit. That was something interesting. Somebody mentioned it on the discussion that. You know, you guys remember all of the, that theory that involved that the division of the nine titans represented something from Ymir? Oh, yeah, that, yeah. So it seemed that while the founding titan is essentially the coordinate or the power that she had over all of the aliens when she was alive, people are noting that this Ymir, the child one, doesn't seem to have any will of her own. And so, 
some people theorize that the, the attack titan actually carries the will of Ymir to be freed from the slavery state. So maybe when Eren uh, contacts with her, she will regain a consciousness of her own and make a choice instead of Zeke and Eren. Yeah, there was a theory that uh, the attack titan, well, the person who inherited the attack titan, uh, and originally ate Ymir's heart. So that's like kind of representative of her true will. Do you think um, she is also by, by the first king's will? Um, I don't think so. That's how um, Zeke was able to break through the will by having Ymir break it, I'm pretty sure. The ones that are bound by the will of the king were just the ones that held the founding titan and had royal blood. That was the condition. So I don't think Ymir even needs to be bound by that. No, I get it. Like the shifters would control Emir, but they couldn't control her because the shifters themselves were controlled by the will of her king. Yeah. Why do you guys think that the the other shifters actually have limitations? Because if it, if this is all all, all just Emir's doing, why do they come to a point where they can't transform anymore or they can't regenerate anymore? I thought about that too. I haven't got like a conclusive answer for that. My my only thought is just uh, royal blood because because you know uh, Porco said he ran out of healing uh, energy or something and I don't know if that was like bullshit just to make him sacrifice himself or like he genuinely just ran out of healing energy uh, but whereas Zeke got practically his entire body blown up but was rebuilt so I I feel like Zeke is just a special case that he practically has unlimited regeneration because of his royal blood more so than other shifters. I think that was just due to his like physical energy. Like he was just too, like he used up, he's so exhausted. He couldn't actually like regenerate anymore. It depends on willpower, actually how much you uh, like regenerate. The only reason Zeke survived was because that Titan saved him, not because of his regeneration. It was his Titan. I think we, I think we conf- confirmed this, haven't we? It was his Titan in the end. But, yeah, but before it showed up, he ran out of energy. He was going to die in that moment if he hadn't gotten saved. Yeah, because the material that makes up a titan is also the one that makes up the shifter's regeneration. So, well, I do think um, it's interesting that OG Ymir looks like a thirteen-year-old girl and one that's been, I don't know, not treated well. Slaverfoot. Well, that was all for our manga discussion. But still, we have our quickfire round left, and Polka is here to ask us which character we prefer this time around. Polka? Actually, it's not just characters now, it's some other oh. things. So, because it's the super ultra mega fifth quickfire round, I've added, I've added some other things into it, so you'll see that later. <laughs> All right, I'll start off though. What's the order going to be? Sol, because he's the most famous, then Mom and <laughs> Luna. And then uh, Rain, and then Angry, and then me. That good? Yeah. All right. Kruger or Grisha? Uh... It's a quick fire round, so. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> he's, about to make it, he's about to make an analysis uh, video on this. Yeah, I can't have an in-depth analysis. Uh, Grisha. Grisha. Kruger. Kruger. Kruger, easy. Kruger. Armin or Mikasa? Uh, Armin. Armin. Mikasa. Armin. 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 Owen or Levi? Owen. Erwin. 
Levi. Erwin. 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 This one's going to be like an easy, I feel. But uh, Hanji or Pixis? Pixis. Hanji. 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 I say Pixis. Only because of the alcohol. I relate to him on a spiritual level. I, I relate to him a lot. All right, next one. Niall or Marlo, the MP boys? Uh, Marlo, because he's voiced by uh, uh, Gintoki's voice actor. I'm going to go with Niall. Marlo. Niall forever. Marlo, he had a better death. Niall, because Marlo is half the man he used to be. <laughs> okay, next one. Uh, Hitch or Annie? Uh, Annie, definitely. Hitch. Hitch. Oof. Hitch. You guys are crazy. Annie. Flock or Louise? Uh, flock? I wish I wasn't second. I need more time to think. <laughs> go, 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 go. Flock. 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 You know what I'm going to say. Flock. Yes, everybody loves Flock. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a full house. <laughs> uh, next one. Yelena or a Yankapon? On Yankapon. On Yankapon. Yelena. John Boyega. Oyankapon. Oyankapon, because children are the future, guys. Flegel or Mr. Browse? Uh, m- m- Mr. Browse, easily. He's, he's based. I mean, I, I'm a Flegel fan, but Mr. Browse is always going to be top guy. Yeah, Mr. Browse. Who names their kid Brat? <laughs> Come on. Mr. Browse. Uh, Mr. Brown. Mr. Browse, yeah. Mobilit or uh, is it Mike or Mish? Mike, I think it is. Mike it? or Mike, yeah. Uh, uh, they're both awesome, but Mobilit because his uh, loyalty. I'm going to go with Mike. Mike. Mobilit. Mobilit. Uh, Mobilit. Erin uh, or Zeke? Era. Aaron. 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 All right, Jean or Connie? And it's Jean, by the way, not Joanne. <laughs> Jean? Jean. Levi Jeans. Jean. Jean. It's pronounced Juan. Juan. God. Juan in a million. Anyway, uh, I'll go for Jean. Yeah. Gabby or Sasha? Sasha. Oh, Gabby. Gabby gang, Gabby gang, Gabby gang. Gabby gang, Gabby gang, Gabby gang, Gabby gang. This is a hard one for me. I think I'll go for, go with Gabby. Yay! One of us. I'm the contrarian. No, I, I go for Sasha as well. That Oof. season two bit where she kills the Titan is, would well up mm. anything that Gabby does in her existence. Falco or Porco? Uh, oof. Uh, um... Yeah, uh, d- uh, Falco. I guess Falco. Falco. Porco. I guess Porco. Porco, because that way to die is the best in the entire series. The next one is Marcel or Colt. Who is the best older brother here? Only uh, I pick Colt because he's like the closest character I can relate to in the story. I know we're not supposed to give a lot of exposition here, but Colt traumatized his brother. I, best, best big brother goes with Marcel. No, it's Colt. And if you were the oldest sibling of three, you would understand, Mom. 
Colt. I guess Colt. Yeah, Colt. Uh, Reiner or Bertolt? Reiner. Oh, I love Bertolt. <laughs> I, yeah, Bertolt. How dare you? Reiner. Damn, this one's hard, but Reiner. 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 This is going to be an easy one, but Willie or Kiyomi? Willie. 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 Yeah, Willie as well. Shadist or Zachley? Uh, <laughs> Shadist. Keith Chaddis. Keith. Keith Chaddis. Zachley. It's got to be Zachley. Come on, guys. Next, I could do this. This is only for wiki people, but I think it might be able to be done here because people understand what it says from what I've heard. Moses or Aguino? Going to have to go with uh, Aguino, definitely. Wow, my loyalties are being pulled here. Um, (laughs) In solidarity with the wiki people, I will say Moses. Yeah, I'm loyal to the Browns, so Moses. Agueno, obviously, our savior. Agueno. I hope Agueno's knee of justice gives you a swift death. <laughs> I, I really do. Anyway, um, so here's where it gets a bit weird. It's sort of like not people anymore, but you'll get what I mean. Uh, Jaegerists or Survey Corps? Jaegerists? I don't know. Yeah. Is this even a question? Survey Corps. Survey Corps? Jeez. I guess. The Jaegerists. Survey Corps. Jaegerists. All right, now, Marley or Jaegerists? Marley. 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 You're all fascists. Marley. Jaegerists. God damn it. And uh, Marley, Marley or Survey Corps? Uh, Marley. Survey Corps. Marley. 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 Survey Corps. I don't know how you guys like Marley so much. Jesus Christ. Because of Rhino. Historia's pregnancy or Levi slash Hanji's fate? Which one would you prefer to see? Uh, uh, Historia's pregnancy. We're talking about the resolution of Historia's pregnancy? Yeah, yeah. Like, like who, who's the dad, everything, blah, blah, blah. I'm a coward, so I'm going to go with uh, Levi and Hanji's fate. Well, I already know their fate, so I want to see what's going on with Historia. Levi and Hanji. I think Historia's fate seem, seems pretty obvious. Historia. Or is it? Uh, I'll go Levi and Hanji, because we all know that Historia's... Uh, Dad is uh, is Aaron. So. <laughs> I hate all of you. Or a rhino. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys for being on our uh, anniversary podcast. We really enjoyed having you all here, and we hope to hopefully have you back sometime in the next year as well. So thank you for actually coming on this time and giving us a notice that you're still alive. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Reden. You didn't get yes. the permaban, <laughs> but you almost did. But thank you for being on. One day, hopefully, I will have the sweet <laughs> release of being banned. <laughs> Angry and thank you and sorry that we kept talking over you.
No, it was fine. And Polka, thank you for doing like the master version of the quick fire round. It was really fun. It's going to be hell to edit everyone in, but <laughs> oh, yeah, have fun, have fun reading that one out twelve yeah. times for each group. Maybe, anyway, yeah. Goodbye, people. Thank you all. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Moving on to our second group of guests. Uh, last time we had an all boys group, so this time we decided to have an all girls group. And also our resident cult leader. <laughs> I'm sorry, <Motaku>. what? <laughs> <laughs> Shall we just be honest and say it was supposed to be an all girl group and then Nate joined us at the last minute? <laughs> I mean, I didn't even know he was going to join until you mentioned it. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm even surprised you showed up, Nate. That's how I live my life. Always keep them guessing. Well, this is kind of fun because we have like two of our earlier guests, uh, LSJ and uh, Lady Mo, and also our last two guests, Neat and Rune. So let's start with chapter impressions. What did you guys think? Um, hi, I'm Lady Mo. I was on podcast number, it was 111. And this chapter has me really excited because I think there's a good chance that this is going to be somewhat of a gateway into getting a lot of our lingering questions about the way the SNK universe works answered finally. So I'm, I'm psyched. I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes. Uh, hello, um, I'm LSJ. Um, my thoughts on this chapter, I actually really enjoy this chapter, um, at least particularly the first half. Um, I feel like it's answered a lot of questions that we've had about this, um, about the Paths universe, and also um, raised a lot of really interesting questions about where the manga is going to continue from here on out. I feel like I have similar thoughts to a lot of people in fan in regards to the last half of it, but overall I've been very happy with the chapter so far and in the direction that it's possibly going to take us from here on out. I am Nitaku. I was in last month's podcast, chapter 119. I liked this chapter for the most part. I think it was a bit light on story. Like I was shocked at like how little it felt like anything was happening. But I really liked the art this chapter. Like this chapter had some of the greatest panels, like in terms of like art style that I've ever seen from Isayama. So I really liked that. Hi, I'm Rune Lai. I'm from the Attack on Titan wiki. I was on the Chapter 119 podcast along with Nitaku. I really liked this chapter. It was a, definitely a, a jarring change of pace, given that we went from all this combat and drama to a much slower, more introspective chapter. But I really liked it, and I'm interested in seeing where it's going, especially considering what happens in the second half of the chapter. Also, uh, no relation to Mom Taku. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We we have to call you Neat and not Neat Taku because Mom Taku <laughs> Neat Taku. People already think Luna's my kid, so let's uh, not promote any more rumors in that regard. So the topics that we selected for you all for this group in particular was about Emir. Then let me start with this question. So th about the founding Titan. Zeke is the one that's providing us information about her, that she's a slave, that, um, you know, she's kind of like there's an empty shell that can be commanded by the royals. Do you guys believe that? Or do you think that there's information here that he's hiding? I don't know if I would say that there's information that he's hiding so much as 
he doesn't know everything. This is he. This, he says like when he t- he says that the little girl is Ymir. There, Aaron asks him, "How do you know?" And Zeke's answer is basically, "Who else would it be?" Because he has no idea. Ymir is just the best answer that he can come up with. So you think it might be someone else? I don't know if that the girl might. I mean, the, it might not be a person. I mean, maybe the the girl is the literal manifestation of the founding titan, but I don't know that I would consider her to be Ymir Fritz because she doesn't directly tell Zeke anything. She doesn't talk. This is just Zeke's guess. That's true. And she had some very shifty faces this chapter as well. Like we couldn't see her expression and it was covered in darkness and shadows. Enough of that. The original um, legend was that Ymir received this power from the devil. Would you be thinking that this would be a manifestation of the devil and not Ymir herself? I hadn't considered that, but I think that's really interesting. (laughs) Another theory that I heard a little while ago was that Aaron Yeager is the devil and she's going to, you know, essentially give the power to him. You know, um, on this topic, I guess I'll get into my theory. So my theory is actually that the little girl is Krista, um, the girl in the in the um, race storybook. So, so far in the manga, we've had three different interpretations of um, the story of Ymir. We have the Eldians who believe Jesus almighty goddess with propaganda essentially saying the same. The Marlinians and the rest of the world have the same idea, but it's because they're their countries were brutalized by the powers of Ymir. And then we have the race family, who um, we know as as far as story context goes, that they have, I guess, the clearest history, most comprehensive version of history, um, as far as the manga is concerned, because they have been passing the founder Titan down through generations. So if somebody is going to know the actual history of the world, it's going to be within that family. And the race family essentially telling us um, via that storybook, we can make assumptions that there was a little girl and there was this monster-like creature. So my theory was um, the girl Krista, who we're told by Frida and other people in the series, was incredibly kind, sacrificing, um, basically the type of person that um, the race family was trying to get Historia to be. She was I'm assuming was kind to this Titan and the Titan I'm assuming is Ymir gave her the power of the Titans for her kindness. And so I'm assuming that Krista was the first Titan shifter. And so I'm actually thinking that um, she's the person stuck in the paths first. And on top of that, pretty much everything in the entire manga can ultimately be drawn out to that story that we had a little girl who was given immense power And I believe that she was ultimately sacrificed for power. I actually had an additional theory to add on to this, but I think the curse of Ymir is 13 years because Krista was only allowed to live 13 years. And so I'm not sure if Krista may be fused with Ymir at this point, but the trauma of her being sacrificed at the age of 13 has kind of led on to this curse. And so no one can live longer than Ymir, aka no one can live longer than Krista, that 13 years. And on Reddit, we actually, I actually had quite a few interesting uh, comments on it. And some people were saying maybe this is actually um, how we got, ended up getting like uh, these pure titans where they're just eating people. Because in all the propaganda beforehand, 
um, we just have those those nine titans, you know, beautiful and um, war machines. And then later on, we see those pure titans. So that's also something to consider. But for sure, I feel like the little girl is Krista. And I feel like the 13-year-old curse is um, due to sacrificing her. I have a question. We know that Carl Fritz visited this realm because he was able to talk to that character, either Krista, Ymir, whomever that character is, in order to, I guess, impress upon her to kind of shackle all the subsequent people that held that power. You know, we assume that he was physically in that same realm. Do you guys think like Frida was in that realm and Yuri? I mean, do all of the founding Titans have an opportunity to go to this place in order to use their power? I feel like that's what's being implied, right? Because the um, in this other realm, you see Zeke in the shackles, and he says this is the power of the founding, the first king, saying that we cannot use our powers. Um, he created these shackles on us so that we wouldn't be able to unleash the Titans upon the world. I would assume that everyone who had gone there, like when Frida was freaking out in that flashback that we have of her, that would be the shackles, these metaphorical shackles, but quite literal shackles in the other world, preventing her from doing that, if that makes sense. That makes it even creepier that Frida, if Frida knows about this place, knows about this mindless girl, that she would be sharing that story with her little sister. That would be kind of odd if the little girl in the the coordinate desert realm is the same as the, the Krista in the storybook. Zeke does say, I mean, depending on how much you, uh, you believe Zeke, he does conclude that this is where the royal family probably came when they made the aid use of the founding Titan's power. So we can assume then that characters like Frida and Yuri Reese had all spent time, what did you call it? The um... I called it the coordinate or the desert realm. Everyone calls it. (laughs) I mean, there's no not really a name for it. (laughs) They they refer to coming here as the coordinate because this is where all paths cross. So I guess you can kind of call it the coordinate. (laughs) You know, on the topic of Freda, I actually don't think it's so strange that Freda would try to push that onto Astoria because that's what the race family has pushed onto Freda, and furthermore, that's that's what basically all of humanity is pushed onto the race family. This is your power. This is your burden um, to bear. You're supposed to have children. You're supposed to continue the line no matter what. And it's your job and your responsibility to make sure that you don't go to war anymore. And so I feel like it's not, it, it's not out of character for Freda to, for her, Freda to try to tell her that story. But I don't, I don't think that Freda was trying to manipulate her or trying to push her into something bad but just just that's the beliefs of those family and outside of that Krista was known as you know incredibly kind and self-sacrificing girl and I think that a lot of people would want their siblings um, to grow up that way to be very kind and considerate and to see outsiders and um, have a handout for them I was trying to find the chapter with the storybook do you guys know where try 54 Ah, that was it. (laughs) The girl in this story does look a lot like the character that we're seeing right now. I think only in the anime, right? She was called Krista. 
I think there is an implication in the manga, actually. Um, the last, it was in the bonus chapters where Historia is begging Aaron um, for them to go get Ymir. It would be chapter 50. Um, 51, actually. Let me see. It's right here. Krista, I'm done being Krista. She's gone now. That was a role they gave me in order to keep me alive. Yeah, a girl from a book I read as a child. Is the exact quote. Ah, right. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I love how quiet Nitaku is being. I'm scared. Like, what's he planning? Is he even there still? Is he so angry? And Manuel? <laughs> he just left. <laughs> oh, I saw him light up. He's there. <laughs> yeah, he's there. <laughs> Waiting in the shadows. <laughs> uh, honestly, the stuff with the girl in the paths and whether she's Ymir or Krista or not wasn't really the part of the chapter I really, I really cared about, so I just didn't really have much to say. What part of the chapter did you care about? I really liked the interactions between Aaron and Zeke more, just because it mm. felt like solid character building and character interactions between them. It's the first time we've really gotten to see them interact like for an extended period of time. Well, you can come back Tuesday at 1. <laughs> you know um going back to the whole history thing another reason why i kind of want to push the krista theory is you know in attack on titan we've we've been shown various versions of history and that there are different perspectives that you can pull just depending on your upbringing and what you've been told and so we have double we have the devil we have a goddess we have right in the middle we have a child it, it seems like something that could actually happen in this story. Um, the series tends to sacrifice its children, has a, and through child sacrifice, there's been repercussions that have kind of just echoed through the generations. Essentially, that sacrificing people like this um, just leads to this cycle that's just going to continue and continue until someone stops it, basically. I mean, the one thing about that theory is wouldn't it make sense that the race family would change any sort of storybooks with that mention Ymir to like a different name since they're living and hiding in the walls. They probably want to erase some of that history. Actually, it's weird that that book exists at all. It also could be a reason why the girl in the storybook is referred to as Krista instead of being referred to as Ymir. What do you mean? Well, if they were trying to cover up certain uh, and knowledge they might have wanted to leave the story alone but they just changed the the name of their founder and replaced it with krista and then you that's why the storybook girl has a different name even though she's in the pose that we have when we're given the story of ymir receiving her powers for the first time i mean i agree with what you know that there was nothing nefarious in frida sharing this story but if frida had been to this desert plain and and seen you know if zeke like like you were saying if zeke is to be believed and this is just a hollow shell slave it just seems like a strange choice that that's the story that you read to your little sister you know um, <laughs> if she knew the truth about it it seems strange to me unless like we're saying that's evidence that zeke is wrong um that this is something else going on up here you know the because her facial expressions were covered this chapter you know, like, why would she um, keep Zeke alive? Why would she keep Aaron alive? Why did they end up in Pats? And people like Porco and Marcel and Bertel, they were just like, yeah, get Eden. <laughs> so I think she is like, 
um, not a slave, but she's manipulating Zeke or tricking him into believing that she is. Like Zeke and Aaron were trying to trick each other this chapter. I kind of feel like she didn't save him um, because she agrees with what he's doing. I kind of feel like she kind of saved him just because that's what she does or that's the type of person that she was in her in her real life. I don't think she uh, would save him because she agrees with him or because she's kind, but because he is necessary for her plan to succeed. That could be true, too. It would be cool if she kind of um, triple-crossed both Aaron and Zeke at the last (laughs) minute. Just throwing this out there. Mm -hmm. Devil of all Earth. The Ymir girl creates the Titans and repairs people with soil. Yeah. That's all I've got. Devil of all the earth. I get it. I get what you're saying. I don't know if there's a connection. I'm just pointing out she uses the earth to do stuff. Uh, Now I want to look the devil of all earth's name in Japanese to see if it's the same kanji for soil. (laughs) (laughs) I am of the opinion that this the way the eyes are drawn, even though they're shadowed, I I am of the opinion that this is just an automaton that that this person has no will. I've, I'm inclined to believe that maybe Zeke is right on that point. I, it is interesting that he used sort of the same terminology about this. I guess we're calling her OG Ymir, whether she is or not remains to be seen, that he used to describe the Ackerman family. And I'm highly suspect of what he said about the Ackerman family to Aaron, you know, that they're slaves without a will. And now he's saying the same thing about uh, this OG Ymir in Desert Land. And, you know, again, he's our sole source of information here, and I don't trust him (laughs) at all. So what do you guys think? Does Zeke, for instance, know that like slave is Aaron's trigger word, so he just uses it whenever he needs to get a rise <laughs> out of his brother? Ymir is an Ackerman confirmed? <laughs> I mean, it, the language is the same. I'm sure I'm not the only one in this group that noticed that. Actually, it, this is the first thing that came to my mind when I read that was the scene of Mikasa pushing Armin into the table because Aaron wanted her to. I'm like, okay, this is going directly back to that scene. We do know that Ackermans were made, they were a failed experiment with, on Titans, right? Um, so maybe they're kind of old. According yeah, to Zeke. According to Zeke, I'll give you that. Um, if he is not lying about this, maybe they court, sort of hold Ymir's will in their veins. Uh, and that is why they do the things that they do and they become connected to the people that they are connected to. I mean, according to Zeke, it, it sounds like that. It sounds like the Ackermans are of the same vein as this person in Desertland. And that, you know, I mean, it just, it, him being the only source of information on this makes me completely suspect. Wait, Zeke is the one who said they were byproducts of Titan science, but he said that in a meeting with Magath and Calvi and like other Marleans who would have been able to correct him if he was wrong. So that seems... The part about them being products of Titan science is probably maybe legit. Well, they are supposedly a myth, though. The Ackermans were a myth, remember? Oh, then I don't know. Well, Zeke thinks that public nudity should be law, so um, (laughs) maybe we should uh, give that a grain of salt. (laughs) I looked up the the devil of all earth, by the way, and the, the kanji for earth is different from what you generally use for soil. I just had to check. Mm. Okay, so going back to what we were discussing before, I know Luna thinks that 
OG Ymir may be hiding underneath those veiled eyes. I think she's an empty shell. I know it's theoretical. What do you guys think? I think it's interesting that she supposedly lived 13 years after getting the Titan powers, but she looks like she's barely 13 in this dimension or or the coordinate or wherever. She looks way younger than she would have been when she died. That's one of the reasons that I'm not sure it's actually Ymir, because it just it feels odd that she would revert to the age where she might have received the Titan rather than the age that she died at, which would have been like the probably the height of her power. She can't have been like 12 or 13 when she died because we know she had three daughters, right? Yeah. Yes. And that would also yeah. mean that she got her power when she was like one or two. Do we know for sure she got three daughters? Unless it was a translation error, I'm pretty sure Vili said that they were Ymir's daughters. Let me pull up the wiki. <laughs> we have the wiki right here. We don't yeah. need to pull up the wiki. <laughs> Maria was the daughter of Ymir Fritz, the founder. She would later become the namesake of the Adamars Wall of Carl Fritz's three Titan Walls, Wall Maria. And because the wiki is so well organized, there's a footnote there which will tell us exactly which chapter. Man, I miss Billy. Do you? Yeah. Do you miss him second most in the whole manga? Not quite second most, but he's like in the top 15, probably. I, I dare not ask who's number one. <laughs> I'm more curious who's number two. I need to check that. I don't keep track of all my favorites besides number one. Number one, Kenny. <laughs> Kenny's one of them, yeah. Kenny. No, don't say anything bad about Kenny. I'll fight you here. No, I love Kenny. Kenny's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> he and Uri have um, the answer to the entire manga. Two people from warring families coming together under the guise of friendship and um, Uri apologizing for all the things that his ancestors did, even though he didn't do them. There we go. Dude, that chapter is bomb. Yes, it is. It's my favorite chapter. We just need Mr. Browse to be able to sit down with Kenny and uh, Yuri, and then we've got like our power team of people who know what's up and how to fix the situation. Ah, oh, dude, Mr. Blouse, I love him too. He, he brings in the hall. You know, let's quit using our children to fix the issues. Probably the characters I miss the most are Kenny, Irwin, Grisha, Hannes, Kruger, Grice. Actually, Grice is a meme. I just have him on my list of favorite characters for the meme quality. But uh, I can't miss Moses because he's not dead, so. <laughs> I knew that. Were any of you any of you surprised that you know we've talked forever about the founding Titan power? We've known about the founding Titan power since what chapter sixty three when it was first introduced to us by Rod Reese. Technically, it was introduced in fifty. In fifty, as the coordinate. Yeah. Right. When Aaron and Dina touched, fist bumped. Right, but we didn't necessarily yeah. know what that power was at that point. Right. But Rod Reese is the one that talks about the godlike power. And so, I don't know. It's like for a really long time, I've, I've always just assumed that, you know, it's just a power inside of them that they had. So for it to be an actual place that they go to and an actual person that they ask for things to happen. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, did it bother you that, that we actually... Aaron talking to this person saying, you know, give me your power. I mean, were you expecting that or does it fit? Was it jarring at all? I actually think it fits perfectly when you think if Zeke is telling the truth about 
um, Yermir being an empty shell that thinks of him as her master because he's part of the royal family, it makes how the coordinate works make so much more sense. Why you have to be in contact with somebody with royal blood. Because if the coordinate comes in contact with somebody with royal blood, you could theoretically um, bring her will back through that and make it work. But if there's nobody with royal blood, she's not going to want to listen and she's not going to do what you want. I mean, that's definitely what we saw here when he says, Ymir, our founder, lend me your strength. And she just blows right past him. You know, wrong number, who dis? You know, there's a theory that I read. Um, I think it was almost eight months ago. This fan in Japan, they are my absolutely, absolute favorite theorists in this entire fandom. They actually came up with that... Um, they actually came up with that theory that Armin was wrong and that Zeke would be the one who was actually in control of um, of the coordinate power. I'm kind of hoping that they're right, but knowing Isayama, the way that um, I kind of feel like there's something tricky that's going to go on or, or Zeke's going to do something stupid and he's going to die and Aaron's going to get the upper hand and we'll, we'll see what Aaron does. Yeah, that was really, it was really gratifying for me because I am also one of those people that believe that when whatever happened, happened, that Zeke would be the one that would have the upper hand by virtue of that royal blood. If this is true, that's really good for me in that sense because it's like I get a point in my scorecard, which is really exciting. (laughs) It doesn't happen often, so I grab those moments when I can. So there was another theory I read about Ymir and the Nine Shifters. So when she died and her power split, that the attack titan was supposed to uh, be her will. And that's why Ymir Fritz in the Pat's realm is, you know, the slave to whoever has royal blood. And Aaron is the one who's going to give her her will back and end the curse. Did any of you read that? I read a theory that the attack titan has a will of its own and can sort of like impose its will on its users, which is why Aaron started behaving so differently. I like that theory, but I haven't heard the one you were talking about. It sounds kind of similar, though. Mm. Maybe it builds on it a little. Maybe. Because the attack titan has to have something special about it. All the other titans do, so that could be it. I feel like um, that's too generous to assume that Aaron's going to give up power. Um, just for someone <laughs> else. I had a thought, like I had a, th- a shower thought last night and i was thinking about all the horrible things that have happened to characters in the series that that are just like completely the opposite of what they wanted wouldn't it be so messed up if in aaron's pursuit of ultimate power and ultimate freedom that he ends up taking Kreister ymir's place that that baby at the end it's just aaron in that paths verse like kind of like in a delusion like he's he's made the ultimate slave due to his his uh, <laughs> attempts of power. And I was like, oh, that would be so good. I'm not sure if it'll happen. But <laughs> See, and I was thinking it was going to be Reiner. That way, he could suffer literally forever. So, <laughs> yeah, my shower thought was this: is Reiner uh, finally dies, he gets to Pad's dimension, and he becomes Sandcastle Boy. Yeah, but oh it seems God. like. It seems like Ymir doesn't have a will, like she can't think. So that's not really Reiner suffering. That's just his body acting like yeah. a robot. Oh, so that's how it's going to end. Like, Aaron will become the devil and Reiner will become the savior. Mm-hmm. And then together they will stop the curse. I could see that. At this point, Reiner seems a lot more sympathetic than Aaron because the only re- reason Reiner's on Parrot 
party right now is to save Gabby and Falco. Like, so he's trying to save people. And to be fair, Aaron is trying to save the people of parody with the rumbling, but that's still like going to involve killing a lot of people. So just inherently Reiner comes off as a bit more sympathetic since he only wants to like get off of parody with, with his kiddos and go back home and maybe kill himself. (laughs) 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 Yeah. If only. (laughs) He's going to die one of these days and we're going to be sad about it. No, we're going to celebrate because that's what he would have (laughs) wanted. You are all horrible people. But not before his mom and his his kiddos and Annie and anyone he's had a sibling relationship with his and his dog. He doesn't have a dog. He gets a dog. The dog dies. <laughs> um, or all that happens. The dog's also named Marley. <laughs> <laughs> this was something else I had for this group to discuss. Is this trip down memory lane that these characters are going on? Is there potential of it impacting? the future or the past, however it works with time travel. Like, did baby Aaron see his future self? Did, I mean, obviously Grisha Yeager seems to have seen um, Zeke. What did, did you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, I've got a question for you, for anyone here first. Has I know Rune has. Has anyone else seen like the pictures people have been posting from like early chapters of the manga in the, early episodes of the anime saying they've seen Aaron and Zeke in the background. Well, there's two people in the background and you're like, why are they there? Once you see it, you can't unsee it. That's for sure. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. One of the two I've seen is this is the, this is one of the rants I was talking about. One of the two I've seen, and and these get posted in the wiki's discord like every day. So I'm kind of over it already. (laughs) But one of them is from, episode two of the anime where you see one dude in the background wearing a a hoodie which somewhat resembles adult Aaron's and everyone assumes that's him which there's a slim chance I don't think it's likely but maybe he did even assuming that he had planned this out six years in advance there's no way he would have told the animators like that he would have given the animators the information necessary for them to put that hint into the anime because it's it's just not practical. Like one ant, like you t- you tell an entire team of animators this this uh, plot twist, it's getting out somehow. It's just not a good idea. So there's no way. Plus, it's an anime only scene, so it's not like he had. It's not like it's a scene he had foreshadowed in the manga, which got adapted into the anime. It's just a scene that the animators probably made up on their own with no input from Isayama. Okay, because- but couldn't he have just asked them to put a slouching character in the background without giving them the details of why it was important? I mean, I could, I, I agree with you, right? I, I think that's really grasping. Like I've seen that and it, it's grasping, okay? But yeah. once you see it, you can't unsee it. Well, I mean, where's Zeke? Part two, though, is the manga panel that's been going around. Yeah, part two is we've hit this so many times on the Discord. If you zoom in with like a high enough like resolution of the manga frame, it's obviously just like 
it's obviously just a window frame. Someone even <laughs> like went to the trouble of posting pictures of that of that exact window frame in real life just to prove mm-hmm. that those actually exist in real life and that's probably what it was. And if you look all over that all over that building, the exact same frame is like all over that one building. So, are we saying that Aaron and Zeke are in every single window watching them? <laughs> Then there's the fact that if you compare that scene with the anime, the anime completely redrew it. That building's not even in the scene, which if we're going by Isayama was telling the animators to put cryptic hints in there, he definitely would have told them that scene the layout of that scene was important in the long run. He wouldn't like they wouldn't he wouldn't have like let them change that if he had the input to let them know about this stuff. And then there's the fact that Obviously, they might do something. They might do more stuff in the next chapter. They might look at more memories. But right now, based on the, all in, the information we've got, they're only looking at Grisha's memories. So not, neither of these scenes take place at a time where Grisha could have remembered them. He was dead by then. And I will grant you, they might look at other. They might look at Aaron's memories next chapter. But based on the information we have right now, it is impossible. It is like it's not in any way possible for Aaron and Zeke to be in those scenes because all we know is that they're only looking at Grisha's memories and Grisha was not alive for any of this. Okay, so you, Nitaku, Wiki Admin, are hereby calling everyone promoting this there. You are just telling them all they are wrong. They are dead wrong. Yes, I am saying they are dead wrong. Okay. Uh, of course, if they look at Aaron's memories in this in a later chapter and they go to that part i'll call bullcrap i'll say isayama probably made that up on the fly but still like based on the information we have right now we can't say that's them since they're not even looking at like memories they're looking at the memories of of a person who wasn't there for that they might look at someone else's eventually but that's speculation i could totally see isayama seeing these theories though and deciding to have fun with it later and dropping easter eggs i can totally see that which is why i'm waiting i'm waiting for people to just like at me all over the place when he does do it because i could see him looking at these theories and doing that right having a lot of fun with it and people will tell me they were right on the all along when it's possible he just like made the theories canon because he thought it would be cool too and he hadn't actually planned it out you know i feel like if it became big enough Isayama would actually address it because that's what he did with the race. Um, Aaron is a race theory. Isayama more or less directly acknowledged that on his blog, how their eyes were different. And he basically nixed that theory in there because clearly he didn't want that um, thought to be going around, I guess, which, you know, later on has kind of built some tension uh, versus in regards to Historia's baby and everything. It would be, (laughs) (laughs) it'd be really... Um, Ooh, very big I of race, very big of race, and and um, him being a potential father to that baby, you know. Isayama does like Game of Thrones. Okay, so so obviously Isayama did not plan these Easter eggs that people are now finding of the two of them. But but what do you think about the other theory that's going around that infant Aaron has seen them? And what do you make of Grisha actually acknowledging seeing them? I don't know. Anything? Is this actually changing anything or is it a stable time loop? I'm a stable timeline fan, but that's true for most stories I read. I like when it's a closed loop. Everything happens because as it was supposed to happen. So Grisha saw them because they were always supposed to have gone back and he just caught a glimpse of them because that. I mean, we know through the paths that they can see 
a bit into it. They can see the future as well as the past because Kruger knows about Armin and Mikasa. So it's not surprising mm. that from Grisha's perspective, he might catch a glimpse of future Zeke. Grisha might not understand it. Like he gets the impression that it's Zeke, but he doesn't know why. But it wouldn't be the first time that somebody has caught a glimpse of something in the future. True. I mean, and Grisha even had the founding Titan at that point, right? Or no, he didn't. Just the attack Titan. Just the attack Titan. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and Kruger had the same, um, like with Mikasa and Armin. But Kruger also said, whose memories are these? So he wasn't seeing into the future. He was seeing someone's memories. And I will go ahead on the record here that it's possible that we're going to get an explanation for that next chapter. How maybe Aaron and Zeke are somehow in Kruger's timeline as well. I would love that because one of the flashback images when they're showing all the panels at the beginning is Kruger looking out from the closet at his family when they are being raided. And we'd never seen that Mm -hmm. before. Rune, you you would like this to be a consecutive timeline. Do you think there's anything important in the fact that it seems like there's some interaction between the characters? Uh, I think it was important for Grisha to have seen Zeke and... That scene basically shows Zeke that even though his father had gone off and fell in love again and had a second family, that he didn't forget about Zeke. Like when he's lying on the, when he's like slumped over his desk, I mean, he has this photo of his first family still out. He's mumbling Zeke's name and that's even before he looks up and sees him. And I mean, might be the reason he saw him was because he was thinking about him in that moment. And you can see that Zeke is shocked about it. He didn't expect that his father might have regretted anything or still cared about him and some, as something other than like an instrument of, of his revolution. Do you think it will change anything, though, for Zeke? I would like to think so, because it, I mean, he, de- he generally looks surprised about it. I don't know that it'll change a lot, but I would like Zeke to have second thoughts. Even if he still goes ahead with his his euthanasia plan and fights for it, that he at least thinks that maybe things could have happened differently. Hmm. Well, I do think think now that we've seen this scene with Grisha kind of sensing Zeke's presence and maybe like, you know, getting that impression of him being there, that it's going to make a lot more sense why Kruger said what he did. Get married, have a family, love somebody. Like suddenly that's not just words. Like that is potentially what changes the story now. Zeke is seeing that Grisha loved somebody, completely unseating everything Zeke believed proving that his father was not who he thought he was. So I really do think that the conversation there in chapter 89 was planted by Aaron. Like maybe Aaron knew that this is his way to convince his brother, or this is his best shot at convincing his brother that everything is wrong, is to have Grisha have a normal family life, give Grisha that take two, that chance. Hmm. He's basically planting this dialogue in Kruger's mouth. I think so, because... We're finding out now why Grisha having a family is so important. It's so that Zeke can start to second guess everything he's ever believed in. So do you think that Aaron and Zeke will actually revisit this specific memory? 
I don't know. I don't think so. But right after this is when Kruger says, whose memory is this? People had kind of theorized that Aaron planted this memory. But I think now we're seeing, if he did, why it was so important. Because if if Grisha had stayed radicalized and come into the walls and found the Reese family and gone into that basement and done the deed when Aaron was a child, as apparently he intended to do, it would have proven Zeke correct. And that's the point where Zeke gets the big eyes and is like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't what I was expecting. Why is this happening? Because Grisha loved his family. And it's just, it's just funny that it's, you know, these weren't just words. This matters now. This matters now that Zeke sees this. I feel like we're going to get an answer for this. I'm hoping it lowers Zeke's guard enough for um, Aaron to come in with the and you know, uses uses Aaron powers and screw over everybody. That's like the one definitive in this manga. If Aaron's going to screw someone over, he will. I've just, <laughs> just been waiting for the car. I, I I like Zeke. Zeke Zeke is a lot of fun when Isayama isn't um, using him as um, a microphone, or he's just where he's just like plot dumping. I actually like Zeke, but. I've also it's been a lot waiting. of fun when he isn't getting killed by Levi over and over and over again. Oh, that's just kind of hot. I mean, I'm just talking about. <laughs> 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 uh, um, anyway, it's like I feel like it's been coming that Zeke is going to be betrayed by Aaron. He's going to stab him in the back, and it's going to be super satisfying when we finally get it. I, I would like that. <laughs> My thought is that if he does kind of come around and think that his father wasn't this horrible person that he'd built up in his mind, you've heard the phrase, redemption equals death. If he mm-hmm. comes to that conclusion, he's almost certainly going to get offed right afterwards. Oh, for sure. I said this in our previous session, but I really don't see Zeke having a change of heart at this point. I don't think that, you know, I, he's always said that he's motivated by humanity, save the world. I've never bought that line. It always seemed to me that he's motivated by anger, resentment. Maybe now it's going to be jealousy that his younger brother got the father that he didn't. And, you know, it's his true colors are going to show. Like he he will know that execution of all the Eldians is not necessarily a good idea, but he's too proud to back away from what he started. So we'll see. I mean, to him, you know, Xavier was more of a father still, so... Even if Grisha was good to Aaron, it doesn't change his mindset, I would think. Man, I really like that. Zeke, seeing that Grisha loved Aaron. That was fun, seeing Zeke just get bitter about it. <laughs> I, like, I like that reaction. Because that, really that really is sort of like Zeke's thing. That's the reason he trusts Aaron so completely. He just wants a family member like to to love him. He wants a he wants like love from someone he's related to and he didn't get that. I'm not it sure was... if it's love, but more like understanding. I think he always felt like Aaron would be the one person to understand him because he went through the same thing he did, or so he thought. Yeah. And now it's it's kind of all crumbling apart before his eyes. Yeah. At the same time, when he found out that Aaron didn't agree with him, I mean it wasn't like his world was rocked. He just was like puts the shackles on Aaron, and then, well, you know, I'm going to prove my point anyway. I mean, it didn't seem like he was devastated. Yeah, that kind of seemed out of character for me, actually. 
I think that may have just been the pacing of the chapter because I mean, when I read it, that scene where he like puts his head in his hands and sort of like cries for a minute, like I maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I sort I thought that was legitimate. I just think it was how this chapter was paced. I think I think what it was is since he had spent so much time planning while he was waiting for Aaron to wake up, he'd probably gotten to a point where he knew it was a legitimate possibility Aaron would betray him, so he was already sort of ready for it. He had time to manufacture fake um, uh, play-acting chains to wrap around his body and come up with a, a entrapment plan for his brother. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, to me, it all felt like very dramatic, like he set up Aaron. And I'm sure he's legitimately wanted Aaron to be on his side. But it's almost like pride at this point that he's going to prove that his brother was brainwashed as well. Kind of like that stereotypical thing where the bad guy can finally do what he wants to do. But first, he's got to do this tangent because he's got to prove himself right. And that's how it felt to me. I feel like it's it's somewhere in the middle. I agree with uh, Nee that it's um, he does legitimately love his brother and he did legitimately want someone in his corner. But the execution is ultimately, ha, oh, I have backstabbed you. And it's like, no, I have backstabbed you. But ah, I actually had a second knife and you have been double backstabbed. <laughs> but it, which will ultimately lead to another backstab from Aaron because I feel like this is ultimately um, leading up to the to the realization that Grisha did not radicalize Aaron. Aaron radicalized himself. He was always like that. And that's, I feel like that's going to break Zeke or at least shock him to the point where Aaron can go and screw him over. If you're right, and Aaron's going to ruin everything for everyone, could backstabbing Zeke after he gets a moment of some sort of sympathetic arc be his final... Um, I have crossed the bridge. I am not a good person. and I am finally proving it to the world by doing this. I feel like there could be one more event. I feel like I feel like this is kind of like the scene that gets most fans. Like if he betrays Zeke, because people are kind of like, d- depending on who you talk to, you're kind of like in the middle about Zeke. I feel like Aaron has. I feel like the tipping point for him is something happening with Armin. Like I've, I've been waiting for something with Armin to happen. And I feel like, um, you know, in regards to Attack on Titan being a metaphor about uh, fascism and youth being radicalized, I feel like Armin represents the friend who has, is, is your best friend who's, who's, um, who has a friend who is becoming radicalized and he needs to, um, how he's going to deal with that. So I feel like, Aaron's going to do something to Armin. I think that will be the final tipping point because Isayama also uses Armin to talk to the audience. Like, what point Isayama wants to get get to us? He's like, oh, I'm going to have Armin say it. And yeah, I think there's going to be something with Armin that'll be the tipping point. Hmm. I, I just don't see Armin and Mikasa having much relevance. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm still waiting for stuff with Hizuru to happen, and I'm like, will it? Because we have like a year left, and I'm like, eh. It sure is great that Isayama wasted so much time making Armin survive RTS through bullcrap reasons just to not use him. <laughs> I'm still bitter about that. He shouldn't have survived all that stuff that happened with the Colossus Titan. I mean, <laughs> I think LSJ will agree with you. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about this topic. <laughs> 
Then we'll end up with five rants instead of four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, my thing is, if you want him to survive, just have him survive something different because it's it's ridiculous to say that Armin would survive getting burned alive and dropped over 100 feet. Well, that's why I kind of feel like the friend route is the route that Isayama is going to go with Armin because I feel like he's building up Reiner to be like the grand savior, you know, like the one who's trying to stop Aaron to, um, you know, defeat him as like a hero. I would love that. And you're kind of wondering what's left for Armin um, because currently Zeke is the one who's explaining everything and, you know, Gene's kind of the leader, like, Armin hasn't really stepped up, but I feel where he will, will be as a friend, like as, as a human being who actually cares about um, Aaron. I don't think he's going to convince him of anything at all. I feel like it's more of like a metaphor. It's like you need to cut off these these people who have been radicalized um, and violent at a certain point. And it's so hard because you love these people in your life, but it's ultimately something that you have to do. And I, I feel like that's that's where I want Isayama to go with Armin. Otherwise, Armin is kind of enabling all of Eren's actions because he's one of the few people in this entire manga who has the power to do something about Eren. I don't know. I don't know. I have a hard time seeing it happen still. Or, you know, Armin could be around to um, traumatize Reiner again. That's also a good guess. Uh, (laughs) Hey, I ate your boyfriend. Um, I mean, like... uh, (laughs) I mean, you didn't think you could get any more traumatized. Here we go. <laughs> I've been waiting just for Reiner to actually see the new Colossal Titan for eons now, and it's not happening. My balls oh. are so blue. They're blue, I tell you, yams. <laughs> do you think Armin's going to transform soon, or do you think, nah, not happening? There has to be a reason he survived, and we haven't seen it yet, so, Yeah. His only reason to survive was so that he could narrate the anime. <laughs> well, traumatizing Reiner also is a very important reason to be still alive in the an- in the manga, so, you know. I mean, Erwin could do that. Arguably, Erwin would be better at traumatizing Reiner because Erwin's, like, you know, sort of crazy. I feel like Erwin would be way more sadistic about traumatizing Reiner than Armin. Mom, what do you think? <laughs> and they already had that scene on the walls where, you know, my it's one of my favorites where oh, yeah. they're both on the walls. Er- Erwin takes off the hood and just stares at him like, what's she going to do now, huh? Like that Dude, the, when they're doing, doing their little, yeah, yeah. Erwin that was that such- colossal titan form, just staring oh, at Reiner, was- mm. <laughs> side-eyeing Reiner from 150 meters up. I'm, I'm drooling. Yeah, that would have been great. Okay, so there's only one thing left in our agenda today. And that's the quickfire round. So it's just you four guys. So let's start with Lady Mo, LSJ, Neat, and then Rune. Kruger or Grisha? Grisha. Can I just shoot myself? I'd rather pick neither. (laughs) No, you have to choose. Ugh. Who do you hate the least? (laughs) I think, uh... Why is your heart so full of hate? Just for these two, just for Japanese imperialism. Um, I am going to pick Grisha because he has nice taste in the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some Gendo Ikari mojo. 
I have the exact opposite problem. I love both of these guys, but uh, I think I'm gonna go, gonna go with Grisha. Kruger. Okay, Armin or Mikasa? Actually, no, I changed my mind. Mikasa. I like Mikasa <laughs> better. They're right on the fence, though. Mikasa, hands down. <sighs> kind of down on both of these. Uh, I guess Armin. Mikasa. Irwin or Levi? I like Irwin better. I gotta go with Irwin as well. Irwin, hands down. Go jump off a cliff, Levi. <laughs> Win all the way. Hanji or Pixis? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, Hanji, I think, probably. Definitely Hanji. They are one of my favorite characters, uh, period. Pixis. And Hanji would agree. He's a titan now. Hanji. Uh, Niall or Marlo? I love Niall so much. He's actually one of my absolute favorites. So, Niall hands down. I absolutely adore Niall. I can't believe so many people dislike him. Niall and Hanji would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Niall, I mean, he's even my Discord portrait right now. <laughs> Hitch or Annie? Oh, I love them both, but Annie is my girl. Annie is, Annie is best girls for me, and she was one of the reasons that I fell in love with the anime to begin with. So, Annie hands down. I also have to go with Annie. She was the character that actually dragged me into liking this series. I'm saying Hitch so I can be different. I said Hitch because authentically I like Hitch. Ah, oh, crap. Yeah, these are two or they're close for me, but I'm going to go with Hitch. She's fun. Floch or Louise? Popular <laughs> opinion. I love Floch as a character. He's such a little bitch. I love him the same way I love Draco Malfoy, though, to be fair. He's just so much fun to watch. Every time he's on the screen, I get a huge grin on my face. I also have to go with Flock. He's just the... He's just a pissy little twink, and I just like seeing him destroy people's lives. Like, he's so much... He's so entertaining to watch. Flock. Flock. I... It's nothing against Louise, it's just there's not enough of her character. Flock is at least interesting. <laughs> I work on the wiki and I had to do a double take when I heard Louise. Okay, next one is Yelena or Onyankopom. I'm gonna say actually Yelena, again, for the same reason as Flock. She is a horrible person, but she is incredibly amusing. I think I'm going to have to go with Yelena, although I really like John uh, Boyega, too. Um, <laughs> Yelena all the way down. She's so unique in regards to female characters. I'm getting me some coupons to buy some onions. <laughs> I'll go with Onion Coupon. Flegel or Mr. Browse? Mr. Browse is best dad in the entire series. He gets all the respect and my vote. I feel like Mr. Browse is a little preachy, so I'm going to go with Fat Porco. Um, I'm going with Mr. Blouse all the way. He deserves a first name, but I'm also going to give a shout out to Flegel for, you know, getting getting it with Historia. They've got a kid together now. I'll, I'll go with Mr. Blouse. He, he's, Yay. he's one of the better dads in the series. 
Moblet or Mike or Mike? Oh, I love Moblet so much. He's I, I like Mike too, but I, I gotta go with Moblet. Though I do love Mike, and I will never forgive Zeke for what he did to him. I think I'm also going to have to go with Moblet. I love his sweet little hamster face, so. I already chose Black Moblet, so I'm going with Mike this time. Oh, I like Moblet. He's just, he's so good about looking after Hanji. Next one is Aaron or Zeke? Zeke, I'm going to say. Um, I resonate more strongly with his backstory than I resonate with Aaron's. I think I'm going to have to go with Aaron. I think Aaron is the best written character in the entire series. Oh, we there's a rant. <laughs> uh I think Zeke, I guess. Aaron. Uh Jean or Connie? Um Connie hands down. Connie is best boy. I don't care what anybody says. I'm also uh calling in for that Connie cult. Dude, I'm going with Jean because, you know, Connie sucks. John, because he's one of my favorite characters. Okay, next one. Gabby or Sasha? I'm going to go with Sasha here. I'm Gabby Gang all the way. Gabby Gang, Gabby Gang, Gabby Gang. I'm going with Gabby. Her only mistake was she didn't get Connie when she got Sasha. (laughs) 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 Gabby. Oh my god, shots fired. These are loaded quickfire pairings. <laughs> I think Polka did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Falco or Porco? I really like Porco as a character, so Porco. I like Falco too, but Porco is a little bit more in-depth, I think. I am also going to have to go with Porco. Falco. Birds are cooler than pigs. Falco. Marcel or Colt? Polka did preface it with best brother, Marcel or Colt. Both ways, though. Um, best character, best brother, they're both Colt. Colt held on to his little brother when he was titanizing. I don't know if that's not love. I don't know what is. I'm shaking my head. Yep. Yeah, Mom Taku is the middle child, so she doesn't understand. I'm also going to have to go with Colt. Um, I feel like Colt's sacrifice just hit me harder emotionally. Marcel. Uh, I, I'd have to go with Marcel. And for what's worth, I'm also an older child. <laughs> Runa, you're the eldest? Of yes. How many? I'm the eldest. Twelve, two. <sighs> okay, then. You, you just broke her theory. Her theory is that I mean, every there's always oldest- one. Listen, there's right. always one exception that confirms the rule. I'm also an older sibling. I'm an older sibling. I'm not the oldest. You're a middle child. I am an oldest sibling. Okay, so there's two. Okay, yeah. Well, you're wiki people. You don't count. You live on your own. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Reiner or Bertolt? love them both, but I'm going to go with Bertolt because I relate to him a lot. Reiner and Bertolt are my two favorite characters. It'd be really hard to choose between them. Can I just go with that AU where um, where Bertolt is trying to bore Reiner? I feel like that's just like the best middle ground for this for this debate, honestly. What? 
<laughs> so Bertolt, if you eat Reiner, yeah, that's your just, answer. just some just some sexy zombie boar times. I just I just feel like you know they can be both be undead together. You know? Okay. Okay. That fake preview is what's getting you all hot and bothered. <laughs> it's real in my heart. Okay. Reiner, he's my fourth favorite character in the series. I really like Bertolt, but I'll have to go with Reiner. Billy or Kiyomi? Billy. On my Discord channel, the Raybird Discord channel, we kept making so many jokes about Connie, who in a smart past indicated that he would want to marry an older rich woman, that, you know, Connie Kiyomi just ended up being a thing. So I got to go with Kiyomi for the memes. I was going to go with Vili anyway, but you dragged Kiyomi down even farther by associating her with Connie. Oh. <laughs> Rune, just answer quickly. Willie. Thank you. Moving mm-hmm. on. Shadis or Zackly? Oh, gosh. Definitely Shadis. Shadis is just such a great character. Gotta go with Zack Attack for that art. Uh, see, here's the problem. I'm with Lady Moe. Shadis is one of the best characters in the series, but Zackley does have that art, so... Gotta choose, man. I think Shadis. I'm gonna go with Shadis. Now, to end the great debate for all time, Moses or Oguino? Moses! <laughs> Wait, Oguino. <your> turn. <laughs> Moses. No. Rune, I will, fi- I will kick you off the wiki. I can block you. I'll- all right, we're starting with Lady Mo. Moses. I'll give you that one. I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Moses. M- Moses, because yes. he is a brawn, and Aguino <laughs> is no bueno in my books. Ooh, class A pun. I mean, it's obvious going with Moses. All Aguino did was kick Udo to death. I mean, it's not like he kicked someone important to death like Daz. He just got Udo. Moses was doing the spin attack. Before Levi was. Moses was the first character in the manga to ever do the spin attack on Titans. Like Moses, he's just number one. He's in charge. Rune? <laughs> oh, I, I said I'm going to go with Aguino. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Rune, would you say that again, please? Who did you just say? <laughs> no. I'm sorry, Rune. I didn't hear you. Nope. Moses? Fine, it'll be Moses. Moses, If it's going to make Neat happy. (laughs) Did you say Moses? Okay, next one. (laughs) So these are not names, but other things. Jaegerists or the Survey Corps? Survey Corps all the way. I have to go with the Jaegerists because they're actually doing stuff right now. Moses Corps, Survey Corps, same difference. Survey Corps. Marley or the Jaegerists? Definitely Marley. Okay, if we're including the Warriors and Marley hands down. If we're not, then both of them suck, so. Yeah, if we're including the Warriors, then Marley. Yeah, if it's the Warriors all included, then I'll go with Marley. Okay, and then the last one is Marley or the Survey Corps? Survey Corps. I gotta go with Team Marley. 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 And I don't know if I should ask this one. <laughs> Historia's pregnancy or Levi's or Hanji's fate? Which one do you want to see resolved? Uh, Levi and Hanji's fate, I guess. 
I think I'm going to have to go with Levy and uh, Hanji's uh, fate because everything about his story, his pregnancy, makes me so, so mad. Just if that could go away for whatever reason, I would just, I'd rather see Hanji and Levy. Okay, here's the thing. I need to explain this. I need to walk through my, my thought process for this. I'm going with Levi and Hanji because we already know the father of Historia's child is Flegel, so there's nothing to find out there. <laughs> and I just really want to see Levi die, so I'm really hoping that'll be part of the fate. I'm, I'm going to go with Historia's pregnancy because I really don't like what's happened to her character this arc, and I want to see her actually do something. Instead of just sitting in that rocking chair for yep. the end of all time. Okay, that was it. We've, we made it. I mean, we have a couple of um, casualties along the way, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's done. <laughs> Thank you guys all for being on again. Thanks for having us. Thank Thanks you. Having us. Yeah. It was nice to be back. Yeah, I'm glad everyone was able to make it. I'm really happy about that. Our next group of guests are all from Reddit. I met them originally through Reddit's Cast of the Titan podcast, which, hot scoop here, can I go ahead and announce that it's officially coming back? Yeah, we've uh, basically decided that uh, the uh, Cast of the Titans were going to try to make a revival. Specific plans haven't really been put into motion, but everyone's on board with it. Okay, so coming soon. So we'd like to welcome back Eric, Puppet, Reiku, and Aluola. Oh, you said it right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did. We'll start with chapter impressions. Eric, why don't you go first? I'm Eric. Uh, as was mentioned earlier, I'm from the old Cast of the Titans podcast, and I was invited on uh, to do the uh, chapter 115 podcast for You Here, Big Girls. I'm actually one of the people who voted uh, for three out of five. This wasn't my favorite chapter, and not because I thought it was bad. I, I think it's three out of five by Attack on Titan standards, which is still absolutely amazing i thought it was very well written i just think that it's big the biggest problem it really suffers from is that it feels like part one of a two-parter it feels kind of meandering and just like you know it'd be the first half of an episode it hasn't really gone much of anywhere it's a lot of setup and so it's not the most exciting i think there's some really cool stuff here i think the pad stuff is very very interesting maybe could have been expressed in a bit clearer of a way Overall, I think this is going to, I'm going to look back on this a lot more fondly um, once uh, future chapters are out. But right now, I think it was both kind of lacking in content um, for a standalone chapter. And I think it handled a lot of things a bit sloppy by Isayama standards. I'm Puppet. I was on the chapter 115 podcast uh, with Eric, as well as the 113 podcast. And I really enjoyed this chapter overall, though I echo a few of Eric's complaints. I am a big fan of Aaron and Zeke, so I like the screen time and development and the kind of the play they got going on this chapter. And I really enjoyed the elaboration on the path stuff. But uh, my main complaint would be what seems Eric to be Eric's main complaint as well, which is it seemed like a part one. Uh, me and Eric both like to do episode predictions, like kind of predict what episode of the anime, how much chapters each episode will cover and kind of lay it out like that. And I'd been assuming 120 would be a whole episode just because I felt like there was so much to cover if they go into the past dimension. But now it, it seems very clear this is a part one of a, of a whole episode. And 
I, I really enjoyed this part one of the episode. I did give it a five, but I feel like it'll be a six once we get the second half. And I really enjoyed Grisha's memories because I was a Grisha fan for a long time. And then 114 came and made him look like a giant jerk. And so I'm glad he's kind of, we get to see a little bit more of his good side once he develops more. I'm Raikou. I was on the 113 and 115 podcasts. And I actually loved this chapter. I'd probably give it a five out of five. And that's partially because it reminded me a lot of the Grisha chapters, uh, 86 through 88, in that what Eric and Puppet just said, it's the beginning of a multi-part kind of adventure we're going on. And I think the rest of the volume is going to play out like this. So I'm waiting in anticipation to see what happens next. Hi, I'm Aluola, or Al, otherwise known as the nice mod on Chingi no (laughs) (laughs) That is is literally my role. I love this chapter. Solid five out of five for me. What I loved most about it was the, I suppose you could call it the 4D chess game played between Aaron and Zeke. It reminded me a lot of uh, the old film, The Seventh Seal, where um, Antonius Block plays, literally plays chess with death. That kind of imagery really stuck out to me. And again, to echo Raikou's thoughts, it really reminded me of the 80s Grisha chapters, solid world building. And it was good to see Grisha trade as a loving father for a while because he he hasn't had the best record in that not not lately (laughs) the chapter opened with zeke catching aaron's head which were any of you guys surprised that this happened i joked that it was going to happen but i did not expect it to go that way yeah it was on my mind because it was a meme but i didn't think there was any chance of it like uh, I designed the chapter bingo cards, and I try and put the ones that are least likely on the side since they're the least used if you are going for a bingo. And so I put this one, there was one space for the Catch of Doom, and I put it way off to the side. I didn't think it was going to happen. You actually have a bingo this month, though. We did, yeah, through the center oh, row. Because it was a lot of, I think we had like a chapter one parallel and a few things like that, and then some more path stuff. This chapter was so weird. I cannot believe you got a bingo out of it. That's incredible. <laughs> So we did ask on the poll what people thought about Zeke catching Aaron's head. And on the poll so far, 44% said that it's goofy, but it works. And another 30% called it epic. Yeah, and that actually um, brings me to something kind of interesting I've been wondering. So we know Isayama loves his cliffhangers that get resolved immediately in the next chapter and probably didn't even need to happen. And it kind of feels like the whole Gabby thing was that. But it, it makes me wonder, did he do that whole thing just because he wanted to, like, be... He wanted to have this kind of goofy, kind of epic, kind of symbolic way for the touch to happen, um, while also maybe giving, like, Gabby something to do? Or is there actually going to be significance to the fact that his head got shot off? Like, is he going to die here, or is that just Isayama trying to, you know, have fun with it? And he's going to, like, survive? I'm back and forth on that. I feel like... I don't think he's going to come back to the world, okay? I think he's either going to die here or he's going to make some sort of deal where he, like, stays in the past dimension in place of Ymir. But I don't think he's going to, like... I don't think it's super likely he's going to, like, form a new body and then just pop back into the world. Should have gone for the abs. There's no way you can penetrate the abs. Yeah, it would have ricocheted and... Like I was saying earlier, since I only knew that Catch of Doom is, like, a meme, the first time I saw it, I thought it was ridiculous. But since then... It's probably my favorite panel in AOT in recent memory, like in, in at least a, probably since the Marley arc started, or probably since chapter 100 or so. But I just, this panel is drawn super well with the double page spread. 
And, yeah. Yeah, I selected the epic option. I I just love the way it was done, even though it seemed a little goofy at first. Yeah, I, th I feel like he put more work in the art this time around this month than into the actual story. I felt the story was a bit bare bones. I feel that um, it, it, it was a little bit goofy, as in how it was drawn, but it was like that on purpose, because to actually give the moment some gravitas, you I suppose you'd draw Aaron's head landing the other way around, so all you could see is his hair. The sort of goofy expression on, on the disembodied head, that's got to be intentional, you know, sort of 80s horror film reference or something, you know? Yeah, I remember uh, Isayama once said something along the lines that he likes to in include moments um, in his uh, manga where people ask themselves, is it okay to laugh right here? Exactly. And I think this might be an example of that. Like during Bird's death when he included like a little pun in like the onomatopoeia of the the crunch sound effect, or there was something like that. It was a very serious scene, and he kind of made a little joke there in the sound effect blurb. So he likes to do things like that. It's gallows humor. Yeah. Isayama's a funny guy. I really want to see, you know, cast on Titan be made into a full thing. Did you guys <laughs> see this month with the zombies? Yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I read the first page, I was like, what the heck? This took a turn. And then it, it was just a dream. I, was like, I like how Bertold's, like, the blood on his face made him look like the colossal Titan. I didn't catch that. I kind of thought it was a shit post at first. I thought someone just did a really good edit, but <laughs> it, the, the whole thing is just Isayama shit posting. So the whole manga is just Isayama shit posting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was reading when he was interviewed about the cast of Titan on Titan or what is it, the High School AU, that yeah. he said he might spend five days just on those fake previews. Like he might, oh, right. you know, more oh, than yeah. he spends anywhere else. This. This is important to him. He's having a lot of fun with it. I think he's exploring the story. I might be making this up, but it seems to me he was asked about uh, it becoming something beyond the fake previews, and he didn't have the energy for that, yeah. but he's putting a lot of effort into it. I know. He also said that this story was going to be 20 volumes long, so <laughs> people change. I wonder if he started writing it when he got like his girlfriend, now wife. To have something lighter and just make the manga, the actual manga, a lot darker after each chapter. That's true. It does kind of balance out. I just, it's so weird to hear him admit like that he likes to make us suffer. <laughs> I know in the interview he had at the final manga exhibition recently, he mentioned how Aaron is a character that he feels he relates to and he's kind of scared of that or something along those lines. Mm. The way I interpreted that was that. He feels like he's someone who could do kind of the horrible things he has been doing recently if he feels it needed to be done. And so maybe he was kind of scared of that darkness within him. And so to kind of balance that out, he started these more goofy side stories and kind of dive deep into them. Well, that's what I kind of like about Attack on Titan is that it's got this very strong... It starts with the, these very strong ideals that are directly based off of what Isayama like, has always believed in. And, you know, you could totally just see someone make, making a story just to, like, to promote these ideals. But then he just took the time to look at it and say, all right, what are the implications of this have taken to their logical extreme? And totally just deconstructs his own worldview. And it's turned into one of the most fascinating and deep and poignant and layered stories I've ever seen in my life. Agreed. It's all very, very gray morally. So in the poll this month, we asked which Frozen in an Instant Moment 
you are most excited to see play out? And I was a little surprised at the results. We have about a thousand responses at this point. The poll's been live for less than 24 hours. We have about 60% of the fandom split between Mikasa and Armin versus the cart Titan and the aftermath of Gabby's shot. So once the action moves back into this realm, these are the two things that people have cited as being most interested in seeing. And I found it interesting, more people want to see what that bird does next, where that feather falls, where the bird goes. What's up with that more than Nicola defending the Bross family? Birds are cool. I think that panel was just so bizarre that nobody knows what to do with it. So they want it to mean something. <laughs> My guess is that like the final chapter is going to open with like showing birds kind of as a callback to like the opening scenes. And so he's just kind of reminding us like narratively, like, by the way, remember birds are symbolism. Remember that because they're going to be symbolism right at the end again. Hey, remember birds? <laughs> well, I immediately saw it and thought of the scene with Falco in chapter 90. I mean, it just it had all the hallmarks of that, a bird flying over a battlefield. That's exactly what I thought of. So maybe we're supposed to be thinking about that. It's, But we did get an ask from, uh, I think this one came in on Twitter, from our friend, The Humble Servant. He said, in Aaron's memories where his life flashes before his eyes, which panel was your personal favorite or most liked? So that might be a good question to ask each of you. Which of those panels did you enjoy? It's kind of a tie for me. So on one hand, I'm, I'm a big Sprinkles guy, so I absolutely love the one with Connie's two fingers going up Sasha's nose. Uh, that's absolutely hilarious. But what I just love is it's, I, I think it's um, kind of in the upper right uh, near the center You've got this, um, I wasn't sure what it was at first, but I actually realized that is Aaron making the weapon that he used um, to kill one of the guys in like episode six when he was saving Mikasa originally. Like that uh, sort of like, it was like a harpoon mm -hmm. broom kind of thing, a harp broom. Uh, no, uh, God, kill me. Um, and um, I, I don't know, it was just really interesting because it was like from a first person perspective, you see his hands like tying the string around it very deliberately. It, I, it, it just seems like such a powerful little shot there. It really kind of captivated me. Also, shout out to Jean. He had a great face in this. Yeah, the one with Aaron preparing to kill the murderers is one of the ones that stood out to me as well. The, the one that stood out to me the most, and I think the one that's winning the poll at the moment, is the biggest and boldest, which is the Mikasa from Chapter 1. Because we're finally getting callbacks to that. I'm wondering if next chapter, if the Jaeger bros will go back and kind of lay the cookie crumbs for the past things that we've seen in past chapters like if they'll go and do something to cause that chapter one moment or if they'll go and cause the kruger moment from chapter 88 where he mentions armin and mikasa or whether just showing this here is enough for isayama and we'll kind of assume that just past were at play and this is him confirming that in the past i've thought we've had stuff answered well enough like to where we assume that he goes in and just expressly says it so i'm i'm guessing he'll do that as well and i hope he does the last one that stood out to me a lot was Kruger as a kid looking at his family being burned because I really like Kruger and that's a, a good moment. Well, not a good moment, but. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I'm hoping we'll see actually all the, you know, the, the whole dream, all those little flashes. I hope we'll see them play out in full next chapter or the chapter after that. What about you, Reiko? Uh, my favorite was actually the Kruger panel that Puppet mentioned last. And that's kind of because when I was looking at it alongside Chapter 88, it's the exact same scene he's describing to Grisha when he's saying, I was just a child, all I could do is watch through a, a crack in the closet. 
So I was just like, oh, that's so much more powerful because now we've seen it from two different angles and we actually see his point of view in this moment. And it's, it's really sad and dark. Al? Uh, well, I like two panels for two very different reasons. I'm going to be frightfully boring at first and say I like the Mikasa panel because it's dead center. Eren's life is apparently flashing before his eyes and it shows how important she is to him still. There you go. There's my boring shepherd nonsense for you. <laughs> um, and I really liked the Kruger panel as well, the POV shot of him in the closet, because basically for the reason it shows that he's still important and we might see more of him in the future, which I'm honestly quite eager to see. Yeah, see, I never really doubted that. So, But it's, it's hinting at it coming soon, maybe. <laughs> Yes, exactly. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like an author can can drop a thread sometimes. So I'm pleased to see that uh, there's more from Kruger to come. I think by that note, like or in that same logic, I kind of enjoy the panel with the boy with the fez. Yes, we don't really know for sure who it is, but it's such a big panel that it feels like it should be something important or someone important. You could call it one of one of the very big. The biggest four, I suppose, along the middle row. I think it's officially the second biggest. Yeah, probably. There are two panels here that we actually don't have a way to place yet. The Boy and the Fez, but also the panel of Historia, which is from a moment that we've not seen yet. Do you have the Mm. chapter? I mean, am I wrong on that? Have we seen that moment of Historia before? I mean, have we seen it from Aaron's perspective? No, we the only post time skip, which that looks like post time skip Historia. We saw her in one hundred seven sitting in the chair, and that wasn't that image. And then we saw her when Niall was talking about her in one hundred eight. We kind of saw her coming and talking to former Coon, and she looked had a completely different face. The clothing she's wearing too also resembles that too from that scene where mm-hmm. she's talking yeah. to Farmer Coon. In that scene, she looked very cold and distant, like. And she looked like she was maybe 30 years old, just the expression on her face. Here she looks, this looks like a conversation with Aaron, just to me with the emotion in her eyes. My guess would be it's from, if there's a moment where her and Aaron made some sort of plan or or something like that, it would be from that. Yeah, that's what I think too. I think that we're getting some confirmation that he definitely is the person that visited her at the farm. And you still think visiting is all they did? I do. Why? (laughs) I mean, I see, I think it does confirm that he was, that they've had a private conversation. Yes. Yes, for sure. That's all it. A private conversation that she was emotional about. Yeah, a private conversation that made her cry. To be honest with you, Aaron's having too many private conversations. I wish he'd reveal some of them. <laughs> <That's true>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to have a private conversation with Aaron. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm interested in seeing how the anime handles this scene because this is like perfectly designed for a manga double spread the anime i don't expect it to just like link because if they just show this for a split second you won't have to take it all in and that might kind of be the point is that you don't want to go back and pause it later and it it is too much to take in but if they just linger on this image for a while it might be kind of odd so my best best guess is that they might flash through them all real quick or something but even that here it's perfect because it's all at once so you feel like it's an instant but also you have time to just sit and look at them all if you want the anime doesn't really have that among its options, so it'll be interesting to see this episode play out. Do you think that if they um, do go with that um, cycling through the images, that we're going to get a frame of Goth Kasa and Otaku Armin? 
Because that's on here. Only yeah. if we get an OVA. <laughs> oh, please. If we get that, then yes. If, if, if we don't, then probably not. I would imagine if we don't get an OVA, it would be something from junior high instead. Well, that could make sense. Yeah, oh, you think they'd call. actually do that? Because, th- like, my, my point is that it if it was a single frame, it'd be kind of impossible not to notice. And, like, yeah. here it's supposed to be an Easter egg because it isn't taking up any room. But this would, like, take up about as much room as, like, any of these other things. And so, like, that like, make it seem like it was actually a big deal when I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be just an Easter egg. Yeah, I like, mean, well, that, well, that bowl of soup gives much screen time as Mikasa and Kruger. <laughs> what were you saying, Luna? Oh, well, it's so small. Like, if you're not familiar with, like, the fake uh, high school AU previews, you would just think it's a different panel of Mikasa and Armin. That's what's been so surprising to me. Now, we included this on the poll. We asked two questions about it because for those of us who are familiar with the fake previews at the end of the volumes, this was kind of a big deal. But the most comments on Reddit at this point have been people asking what we're talking about. So a lot of people just had no idea or it was too small for them in the uh, digital versions to make out who they were. So I was a little surprised at how much confusion there was. To be fair, I, I was obviously familiar with the previews, but I didn't know they were called um, a cast on Titan. So that might be where some of the confusion lies. Yeah, I think so as well. A lot of people just know it as the high school AU. Exactly. That's 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 basically all I called it. Well, that would explain some of the confusion. I'm sure there are a lot of people who only come for the for the chapter release and then leave until next month. But uh, it's just a thought, anyway. That that was where the confusion lay, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, because it's from like an outside source. Puppet, I think you wrote these questions for the poll. Did you like the inclusion of it? And what do you think is the best in-story explanation? Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, I thought a lot about that. After the chapter came out, I kind of had like an hour and a half of free time where I could just think about the chapter while I was doing some other things. And I was kind of annoyed at my brain because there's so much that went on this chapter that there was to talk about or think about. The number one thing my brain was thinking about was just how the AU and the Goth Casa and the Geek Armin could be canon. That was what I thought about for like an hour. And I came to three, there are three options in my opinion, one of which I didn't really include on the poll. I kind of rewarded it. So I think it's possible this is showing a glimpse of the future because we've seen past kind of mess with the future before. Time doesn't really matter. This could be in the far, far future. The world develops to where it's the high school AU level and our characters kind of reincarnated, so to speak. And I like that because it gives them like happiness. They give them the characters that got a crappy lot in the manga at the moment, ended up ha- hanging out in high school later. I don't think that one's super likely. N- none of these are really likely. It's just if you want to explain it away as more than an Easter egg. Well, 10% of people so far have said that it canonizes Cast on Titan as a possible future. So 10%, that's a lot. I would have been in there earlier because like, I was posting on Reddit about like the high school conspiracy and how Isayama was playing the long game and this was going to be the official sequel to Attack on Titan. Um, not entirely seriously, but uh, I-, I-, I was joking about that a lot and thought it'd be a fun idea. Um, but yeah. Uh, I think Isayama out and like said that it's not canon and it's not going to be canon, that he's not planning on doing it. So at the very least, I don't think he intends right now on it being canon, even if he changes his mind on doing it eventually. True, but I was just reading an interview with him on SNK News. Someone asked him about how important will the AU be, and he said like he had like a laugh or something. Let me just pause for a second, pull up the quote. I personally think that it, 
the characters' lives are cruel enough without forcing them to go to high school as well. (laughs) 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 Just me. So in a recent interview, Isayama was asked what the appeal of the AU was, and his answer was that, if possible, I want to draw something that is linked to the original manga's universe. That's how I'm approaching it now. And this interview was around the same time as this chapter, so I just find that kind of interesting. What? Mm-hmm. Even before the AU is a meme that the manga would end with Aaron waking up in the junior high universe. Now, I don't think it'll tie into the big manga ending. I do think this is pretty much what he was referencing with that, just the Easter egg. But, yeah. Well, what if um, Pabs does allow people to reincarnate, and that's like... Um, and that's actually a plot point, like, oh, Aaron Kruger and Aaron Yeager are the same person, and, like, there's, like, almost, like, maybe some evidence for that name, not really, um, but <laughs> it's, uh, what if, like, it would, le- like, th- that would be an explanation if paths don't outright disappear, um, then, like, that could be an explanation for why everyone, like, gets back together in the high school AU, mm-hmm. or not an AU, in the high school future, um, and it's, like, modern-day Marley, because they never establish what country the high school AU takes place in. And <laughs> like, we know the final panel now, but like how absolutely hilarious would it be if the final panel was just Aaron waking up in the high school AU and then it just ended. We have had the fake preview of him waking up before school. It was all a so. dream. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what the end of that high school AU from this month reminded me of. It was very similar to that volume guy. Yep. Well, in, 20% of people do, I mean, they, they do see it now that it kind of canonizes it to a degree, at least as an AU. So the first option was that it's the future. The second option, in my opinion, is that the AU part is taken very literally into an alternate universe. And it could either mean that there's just alternate universes that include the main manga and the AU, or it could you could just say in like a multiverse, all of the volume ending gags happen and you could quote unquote canonize that as a multiverse. Not that it'll ever be important in the manga, but... And then the third option, which I came up with, which I didn't really include on the poll, I kind of just morphed it into, it's literally just an Easter egg, is that if you don't like either of those two options, but you still want to you still want to wrestle with how it could be canon and not just like a joke in the official manga, you could see that these are just two people that look like Armin and Mikasa from the AU. And that this it's so dark in the, in the uh, page that... It's not clear enough to where you say it has to be them. You could just say, oh, it's people that looks like them in the end. <laughs> just totally dismiss it for what yeah. it obviously yeah. is. Well, in the poll this month, 66% um, say it's literally just an Easter egg, but 20% do agree that it canonizes Cast on Titan as an alternate universe. And, you know, I, I personally think it's an Easter egg. It's a cute cameo, but I am perfectly fine with people wanting to read more into it. I mean, if they want to think that that kind of canonizes this sort of future for the characters or gives us an alternative to the world that they're living in. Now, I know, Al, you just said, you know, why send them to high school? That's misery. But, you know, in my world, it means that Erwin's alive teaching history and Levi, you know, is making him laugh. And I mean, I'm perfectly fine accepting this as part of their canon. It's much kinder than what actually happened to them. No, I, I can't argue with that. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, you're giving people false hope, though. He included it. He put it on the page. Okay. It is in well, maybe the that's canon. his intention, like make it hurt even worse when they're not alive. By the he end. doesn't like to hurt us. Right, but now what we can say is, okay, well, that happened too. So everything that happens here, you know, in this... It's just a this... little fragment of hope. Up to people's yes. interpretation. So, if you if you're someone who 
likes a serious ending where everyone dies if the manga ends like that you can be like oh perfect ending and if you don't like that then you can be oh well there was he made it canon that this could be a possible future so it ended like this for the story but all my favorite characters ended up okay so it's up to the reader mm-hmm. exactly do you think Aaron himself is in any of these memories like from some from Grisha's perspective he must be I suppose but um they they wouldn't show it because these are all Aaron's memories as he's dying, I suppose. Well, I think that might be his arms on the Mideast boy. It might be. And the ball of soup, it might be his. I mean, it has to be. It. These are all memories from Kruger, Frida, Grisha, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Aaron. So it has to be one of their arms. He and the Mideast. He did. Yeah, exactly. Well, we know he was there. Exactly. All these memories are from Titans that Aaron holds. I find it interesting there weren't any Warhammer memories since I've I just loved Willie so much and Lady Typer was interesting for the bit she was there, so I really wanted just like a chapter to right. open with just like three pages of Aaron having a flashback of them or something. And so I'm surprised that there's no just like someone looking at Willie like getting ready for the play or something here. And then for the bowl of soup, I do think that's Armin's uh, not Armin, Aaron's hand, because this chapter we saw baby Aaron eating some soup. I, yeah, the only true. soup I remembered before this was Falco eating at the Falcon Gabby. Falco and Gabby. Yeah, yeah that's but, what I mentioned before in one of the other sessions. Uh, I've definitely seen Aaron eat some soup around like the chapter 16 or something. Yeah, I'm sure they've eaten yeah, soup before. But... <laughs> soup. So we're going through the chapters now saying, when did he eat soup? We need to know. <laughs> God, this, is what, this is what Isayama does to us. <laughs> I, I was hoping, like, the boy with the fez is being touched by Lady Tiber, because at least one of these memories would be hers. I just wanted to know more about that. I agree them. with that. When I first saw him, I thought it was Rod. Like, he, he just looked mm. a lot like Rod to me, and the arm, kind of the, the clothes on the arm looks like the robe that, like, the Reyes family and Uri yeah. would wear. But, yeah, the fez, once once it was pointed out to me that the fez was there, it really threw me off, because that does seem like something I'd be, like, a Mideast allied person, which, like you were saying, the best guess for that might be a Tiber or a Aaron. I would hope it'd be a Tiber, since, like you just said, I uh, hope they're important and in one of these. And they went to boarding schools with other people. And you might, some people think, including me, that the season three ending scenes where it showed that girl kind of at a boarding school, that it looked kind of like Gabby. I think that's Lady Tiber at a boarding school. And so hopefully we get some more Lady Tiber flashbacks or something that might be important. I don't think it will be, though. So your point about Willie Tiber, he clearly had an international presence, right? We know this. He and his family had friends from all over the world. They were incredibly popular. So uh, it could be a Tiber memory. But we also know for a fact that Aaron was there on the peninsula where the Battle of Fort Slava was held. He was uh, seen following Reiner and the kids as they were going about their business after the battle was resolved. I I don't... I mean, this is obviously like the big mystery of the chapter, right? I mean, if as as if paths wasn't mystery enough, this panel has got me guessing. So I feel like it's either Aaron or, like we said, maybe one of the Tibers. Uh, for me, I, I haven't really been fond of the theories that it's either Rod or Xavier, which are the ones I'm seeing that are most prevalent. I don't really like the idea of being a random kid either, because it's the second largest panel on the page. Um, so... I kind of think he looks similar to the baby that we've been revealed for the final panel in terms of like the face shape and like the thick eyebrows and everything. 
So maybe it's like a future memory that hasn't been experienced yet. I, I've j- I'm kind of reaching here. It's one and, of Gabby's memories. And another thing, like the eyes really kind of stood out to me because they don't really look like any character that we see regularly. They don't look like Aaron's eyes or um, any other character really. But I was just looking through the Grisha chapters again today, and this kid has the exact same eyes as Faye Yeager. Exact same. Who's right beneath them on this page. Yep. Hmm. So alternate universe phase child, Grisha's yeah, like, nephew. Like, like Kruger <laughs> said, if you hadn't gone past the wall that day, you might have a child. That'd be interesting if there's there's like some alternate universe. Uh, just if like Aaron through past gets a glimpse into alternate universe where Grisha didn't go past the wall and we get to see Faye's family and then we see like the world fall to ruin because of it or something like that. That could be interesting. I don't know. Um, I can't believe Faye is trans. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I've forgotten what I was going to say. Um, I, I'm not, I don't think that there's much evidence for alternate universes as such. It's, it doesn't feel very fire emblem to me. I, I think, I think this boy is part of the main, of this main universe. I agree. So I don't think it's it's like Faye's child from a possible future, a future that never happened, or something like that. What if it's Grandpa Yeager? Huh? Could be. That'd be interesting. But yeah, those are definitely Yeager eyes because they they resemble Grisha's too. That you thing was just kind of me going off the cuff. If it is a Yeager, Grandpa Yeager's a good idea, or like Raku said, the baby from the final panel. If it's a Yeager. So, Reku, you're going with that it's somebody from the future that we haven't met yet. Yep. A future Jaeger. Yep, a future Jaeger. <laughs> All right. My guess is definitely that it's somebody Aaron met when he was on the peninsula where the Battle of Fort Slava was being held. I totally agree with that. I'm full with that. That we're going to see a bunch of uh, Aaron. Uh, just all these moments where we didn't know what Aaron was up to, like, you know, the railroad ceremony. And then uh, what we still don't know how he got there. Um, yeah, I think that all that's going to be covered in these next couple chapters, and I think this is going to be a bit of a big emotional moment that we just don't know the importance of yet. Um, n- not necessarily that he's going to, that this kid's going to come up again, but it was like, it was important for Aaron. Maybe like he helped Aaron realize something or just symbolic. So that's what I think this is. He could have just been a kid on the boat that he took to get to Fort Slava. It may just indicate transportation. I mean, it could be, it could be really not important except that. Uh, you know, this person was helpful in getting him to the destination. Hands on the shoulders? I don't know. This feels like an emotional moment. Especially taking into account the, the mark or the bruise on the cheek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost what like... What do you think, Al? It, it, to me, it has every appearance of whoever the arms belong to is, is comforting the boy. After, I don't know, a fall or something. Do you something. think it could be Kiyomi's hands? I hope not. <laughs> how would, how would... Anyone Kaomi touches tends to die, so probably that's not. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Touch of death. That is boys already dead. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know if the Fez is a red herring, to be honest. Yeah. It's a memory, so it can't be Kiyomi. It's, it's, but... <laughs> that's true. Well, I don't <laughs> Just know. The she's, idea. A, she's, a, she's a sly fox. She could be in the memory <laughs> somehow. I don't trust her. Don't trust her an inch. Um, (laughs) I I feel like there's meant to be a strong emotional connection between the owner of the hands and the boy, so just a random kid 
doesn't seem doesn't seem right to me. But yeah. I, I I wouldn't say it. I wouldn't say with any certainty any more than that. The Fez is really interesting to me if Raikou's idea pans out. Because if Aaron does the rumbling and like all the other nations and their cultures go away except for like the Waldians and maybe like Kiyomi's people, the Fez, which is some like the Middle East uh, nations, it seems, uh, wouldn't really be a thing. So this, if this is like the ending and his kid is holding, uh, it has that hat. That kind of implies to me like all the cultures have kind of come together, and that'd be a nice happy ending. So I'm gonna Same. go with. Uh, that's the case. I'm going to go with Raikou's theory. And if this kid is just never touched upon in the manga again, I'm going to say it was Rod, who was for some reason just wearing a fez one time. <laughs> <laughs> so you think it's also a future memory? Yeah. Okay. What about you, Luna? Have you waited? Um, I don't... I don't know. I, I, I hope it's a Middle East boy, but with no relation to Aaron. Like, someone from the past, past... So you want it to be a Lady Tiber, a Tiber memory? Something, yeah, something more interesting, something from another perspective to spice this story up a little bit, because I'm getting tired of Zeke. <laughs> How can anyone be tired of Zeke? Yeah, you take that back. Monk Dad is <laughs> the best. I bet Levi never gets tired of Zeke. Pardon? Aaron's pretty tired of Zeke right now. <laughs> Nothing, Mom. <laughs> I don't know. Anyone in the manga who likes Zeke, the closest thing would probably be Flock, and Zeke tried to kill him before, so. Yelena? Oh, true. Duh. Yeah, yeah she's Yelena the, uh, likes him enough for everyone yeah. else, so I think we're good. Well, Levi seemed pretty sick of him on the uh, magazine cover this month, so. I mean, he did let him touch him. While looking like mostly naked. Arm. <laughs> couple selfie. Did you guys... Uh, think it would be a much more gruesome chapter based on the magazine cover. That is usually the case, isn't it? This, the happier <laughs> to cover, cover the worse the chapter. There's a picture of EMA all sitting nice and smiley together. I've always hated you, Mikasa. You know, <laughs> that's, that's the way that it goes. Was mean. <laughs> I was prepared for a lot more. I was prepared for a lot more uh, intensity. This one really seems to be a bit of a downtime, almost. It was hilarious, though. It was so funny. This whole chapter. <laughs> hilarious? I'm confused. Mm -hmm. It was just the conversations between the two. I know that's for another podcast, but the whole reverse Uno and just how snarky, you know. Uh, hands down, the highlight of the entire chapter was um, when they were in the memories and... Um, Aaron, what was it that Aaron said? Yeah, so Zeke was just, like, explaining how, like, Grisha was, like, secretly this bad dad, and Aaron's just like, yes, yes, I am completely convinced all of my brainwashing has been undone. <laughs> Can we leave now? Yeah, that was the best. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. Also, kind of an aside, but I know on the 115 podcast I was on, when Zeke was resurrected, there were discussions of kind of some christ symbolism there with his coming back to life and just the way it was uh shown this chapter with his beard and the way his hair the way it was he looked exactly like a typical depiction of jesus except for the hair color but that just stood out to me yep i thought the same thing yeah it, um i think it was uh andrew all-stars i was listening to his uh and he talked about how messianic zeke looks and all of this whereas aaron is presented still as being very dark dark clothing dark hair more in the shadows yeah, I, I had a friend um, 
uh, I forget who it was exactly. Uh, it might have been Puppet. Uh, I forget. <laughs> Must but... have been a close friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shut up. Um, but, but what they said was that Aaron, he, he's not, right now he's not much like, you know, a classic hero at all. And like, he never really has been. He's like, you know, he's fueled by hate. He's, you know, he can be very dark and all this stuff. He's very violent. Um, and then you have Zeke, who's kind of like a bit of a foil and despite the fact that he, like, other than the fact that he's the most, like, terror, one of the most terrifying characters in the show, and he's basically an antagonist, he, he kind of feels more like a protagonist, like, a bit more heroic in sort of his tone, you know, he's very much, uh, you know, he cares a lot about his friends, and he believes in family, and he's, you know, fighting for entirely selfless causes, you know, out of love. You know, he even has like a more light color scheme compared to Aaron's dark color scheme. And I just I, I thought that was a very interesting kind of a, I don't want to use the word subversion, but uh, I thought that was very interesting. Wow. I disagree with that in like a thousand different directions. Yeah. <laughs> I can see where you're coming from. I, I agree overall. Uh, yeah. Loving his friends, not so much. No. It seems like Aaron's main goal right now is loving his friends. Uh, like the Pink one, thing. Yeah. That. I didn't see any evidence of love for them in the pit you know he like gave them snacks like he wanted to like keep them he, he, he showed to be very sentimental he's so that's to be a very huge assumption that he's the one that left the stuff there all right yeah i don't think he was in a position to leave that stuff there i feel like connie and sasha did that with yeah. yelena's help maybe i lean zeke for that uh for this chapter though one big subversion for what eric was talking about was if there was a hero villain foil and one's like explaining his plan. Typically, or if they're working together, the bad guy's the one to betray. And this time, uh, Aaron's the one who betrayed his brother and Zeke. Uh, then you're supposed to kind of feel bad for him in that moment. And that typically goes the other way around. It was hard to feel sorry for him when he's the one that kind of set the trap for Aaron, though. It was, you know, let me let me set Aaron up to see what his true colors are, planning on possibly him failing. In this moment, when he touched Aaron in the past dimension, he had full control. He could have just enacted his plan right there if he wanted. The whole reason for the Grisha memory thing is because he cares that much about his brother. He wants to be on the same page as him. And so he was that distraught that his evil dad took over the brain of his brother and that his brother's been led astray is how I read it. Sorry, everyone needs someone to tell them they're right now and then, it seems. He is Yelena. <laughs> she does that a lot. <laughs> That's true. He's being selfish. Zeke's desperate for family, though, to understand him and be in agreement with him. I don't know. They've met. How, how many times have Zeke and Aaron actually been together? I, I think their lack of time together is exactly why Zeke feels so fond of Aaron, because if they did spend any time together, <laughs> he, he would know just, just who Aaron is. Okay, so this is the quick fire round. So I will let you take this over, Luna. So the first one is Kruger or Grisha? Uh, that's going to be Kruger. Grisha's kind of a mess of a human being. Kruger's kind of badass. Kruger. Uh, Kruger. Kruger. Armin or Mikasa? Mikasa. It was Armin for the longest time, but post time skip, I'll go Mikasa. 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 Erwin or Levi? Levi. Erwin, easiest one. Erwin. Erwin. Can't believe I agree with Eric on something. <laughs> Hanji or Pixis? Hanji. Pixis. Pixis. Hanji. Nile or Marlo? Nile. Nile. 
Nile, I think. <laughs> Nile. Hitch or Unny? Hitch. 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 I named my cat after her, so Hitch. Flock or Louise? Flock? I love them both, but Flock, of course. Louise. Flock, because I love to hate him. Uh, Yelena or Onyankopon? Onyankopon. Yelena. Onyankopon. Yelena. Okay, next one. Flegel or Mr. Blouse? Uh, Mr. Blouse. Mr. Blouse. Uh, Flegel. Flegel. Moblet or Mike? Moblet. Mickey. Moblet all the way. Moblet. Aaron or Zeke? <sighs> Zeke. Aaron. 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 Jean or Connie? Jean. 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 Recently, Jean. Okay, next one. Gabby or Sasha? I hate you. Um, (laughs) I didn't make these. (laughs) I'm going to say Gabby. Gabby gang. Gabby gang, Gabby gang, Gabby gang. (laughs) Gabby gang. Sasha. Yeah, how is this even a question? Sasha. (sighs) Gabby's had more to do. I really like Sasha post-death. She's been interesting in flashbacks. Falco or Porco? Falco. Falco. Porco, easy. Oh, this one's hard for me. Um, I'll go Porco because he's more interesting. I like how me and Eric have agreed on most of these, and then Raikou and Al have agreed on most of these. <laughs> I can't believe you said that about second best boy, Al. What? Not according to Raikou's polls. Oof. <laughs> so, <laughs> under Gabby, under yeah. everyone. Under Flock. Under Flock. <laughs> Yeah, no, Falco is second best boy. Porco is, yeah. I like Falco. I, I'm just, I, as, as far as plot goes, I prefer Porco because he, he's always entertaining when he's on the page. Mm-hmm. I do like all these characters. These are all difficult. Okay, we can never be friends then. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next one. Uh, for best brother, Marcel or Colt? Colt. 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 Reiner or Bertold? Reiner. 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 Yay! Willie <laughs> or Kiyomi? Willie. Willie. Kiyomi. Ooh. Uh, Kiyomi. Oh. Shadis or Zachley? Shadis. 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 Next couple of questions are not uh, between two people, but between two things, sort of. You'll understand. Jaegerists? Or the Survey Corps? Survey Corps. Jaegerist all the way. Survey Corps. Survey Corps. Marley or Jaegerists? Oh. Marley. Jaegerists. Marley. Jaegerists. <gasps> nice. Okay. And then uh, Marley or Survey Corps? Survey Corps. By Marley, do you mean like the nation or do you mean like warriors? Everything. Survey Corps. Survey Corps. Survey Corps. I'm dying on this Eldian hill. You may <laughs> Okay, so and uh, the next one is what would you most like uh, to see resolved? Which is either Historia's pregnancy 
or Le- Levi's and Hanji's fate? Levi and Hanji. Historia. Historia. Levi and Hanji are obviously alive to me, so Historia. So thank you everyone for being on our third session uh, of this month's podcast. We really enjoyed having you here and here on all the memories we saw in this t- chapter and hope it was also good practice for the podcast that you guys are starting back up again, the cast on Titan. And Al, I, I don't know. I hope you enjoyed being on. I always enjoy being on. Absolute <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> but we also made some memories. That's what I think. Um, <laughs> so I, I had a lot of fun. Um, um, I, this was just so Sounds much good. fun. Uh, I, I'd love to be on again. Um, and I'm very excited to start you know, the podcast with you know a lot of you guys starting that back up. I had a great time. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on again. I'm excited to talk more with all of you who will be on uh, Cast on Titan and Mom and Luna and Al. Hope to talk to you guys again soon as well. Yep, thank you for having me back as well. Okay. See you all next time, hopefully. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So welcome back to our fourth uh, session of this month's podcast. Uh, we have a couple of guests today uh, and one very special guest. Um, they'll all start by introducing themselves and explaining what they enjoyed about chapter 120. Hey guys, um, I'm Coffee, um, Coffee Life on Discord and Attack on Mime Life on Twitter and Instagram and all those other places. I was on episode 116 and also the live episode. and. Of course, I loved episode 120 because it was mostly Aaron. That's all I have to say. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Kenny, do you want to go next or? Um, Hi, I'm Kenny. Uh, I've not been on an episode yet, but as Luna said, I am a VIP, a very important patron. Um, (laughs) Been doing that for like seven eight months now and um i loved chapter 120 mainly because at some point it seemed more like a, a bad game of Yu-Gi-Oh, where everyone just makes their own rules <laughs> so that kind of made it very interesting so i loved it <laughs> i wish they were as cool as kaiba man i would love i mean show. have you seen the anime i don't know maybe 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 honey i watched Yu-Gi-Oh! when <laughs> no, I still had no, to no, download no, no. it and wait two yeah, hours for an episode. So, anyway, Dart, can we have... Yu-Gi-Oh! went downhill after 5Ds. Um, bad opinions aside, those. I am uh, Darth Mewtwo. Um, some of you might know me from the subreddit that I'm the head mod there. We also um, ran the original Attack on Titan podcast, The Cast on Titan, for a few years. Um... Currently here, I've been on, what was it, 117? The one right after coffee. Um, and my phone needs to shut up. Uh, English. Also, it's like 8 a.m. And I don't really sleep till noon, so thanks. Uh, I don't want your life story. I want your impressions on the chapter. <laughs> oh, yes, chapter impressions. This is what you get when you ask me to record first thing in the morning. Um, it's an okay chapter. 100% not what I was expecting. Um I was very hard in the camp that we were not going to see Aaron at all this chapter. I thought we were going to go straight to Hanji and Levi. Um, 
But what we got was intriguing, to say the least. Okay. Anything else? Uh, nope. I guess not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sleepy. It's fine. So um, the first topic we have is, um, well, yeah, the whole trap card situation with Aaron and Zeke. Uh, Were you guys surprised with uh, the whole, I'm betraying you? No, because I'm betraying you first exchange that happened this chapter? I didn't expect Leva or uh, Zeke to see it coming, honestly. I mean, Aaron, duh. But Zeke kind of surprised me. Yeah, I kind of felt similar about that because it felt kind of out of character for me, uh, considering all the previous chapters and how he felt about Aaron, that I guess he spent a lot of time in the Pat's realm thinking about Aaron and coming to a different conclusion. I don't know. Coffee, what were your thoughts on that? I feel like I was, like like Dar said, not surprised by Aaron, but by Zeke, I was a little surprised because we had heard some of his thoughts before, but... He was also really laying it on thick with the Onichan and all of this. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, maybe it was coming. I I always saw Zeke as like 100% falling for Aaron. He was just a complete idiot with the wool straight over his eyes. I don't know, something about this this entire chapter felt a little off to me. See, I feel completely the opposite way. Zeke has been planning this since he was a child. Like there was no way he was going to leave to chance. And trust Aaron 100% on this, mm-hmm. no matter what. I mean, he spent his whole life kind of lying and sneaking and planning and plotting. So I don't see Aaron getting a pass in the, you know, face value aspect of this. So I was not the least bit surprised. Um, what surprised me was how cruel Aaron, I don't want to use the word cruel. Do I? I was surprised mostly by how callous Aaron was. Uh, when he finally revealed that he was not on his side. Kenny, what about you? I actually agree with you, Mom. Um, I don't think Zeke would leave to chance anything except himself. So when Aaron was like, no, I was like, yeah, he shouldn't be surprised by that at all. (laughs) Yeah, he even took the time to make chains to put on this huge kind of charade (laughs) in order to get Aaron's true intention. So he had a lot of time to think. Yeah, I feel like in previous chapters, um, Zeke seemed more convinced of Aaron's per- goals, and now he was kind of in doubt and felt like he had to trick him. Which, again, I don't know where that came from all of a sudden. It felt a bit rushed to me. And then, again, also, I agree with, um, you know, Eric, Eric, <laughs> Aaron all of a sudden, you know, turning to Zeke and saying, well, this is what I want because I was born in this world and I was like, okay, so you're, so I think Aaron thought he was in full control there in the realm, in the Pat's realm. That's why he felt like he could be straightforward and direct with Zeke, but I don't know. It felt a bit dumb. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, of course he felt like he was in full control. Like, did you see the look on his face when he realized that yeah. Ymir was walking past him? Or air quotes, Ymir was walking past him? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Also, I just want to add, um, I don't get tired of mom defending Grisha. I get tired of her bashing on Zeke. 
It's like a broken record at this point. It's, it's funny because oh, Lynn is referencing hate? things that happen in text chat that no one else can understand. <laughs> no, no, no. This has been going on for the past three recordings as well and every other podcast recording. And it's just, okay, I get it. You don't like him. <laughs> Mom, do you have a counter for that? Nope. Nope. I'm pretty honest about this. But anyway, okay. I, I, I know, I know I've been a broken record about Zeke. And I, I think it's interesting to hear, you know, how differently people view this. Like some people view his concern for Aaron, that he absolutely loves his brother so much. And I don't think so. Like I'm reading the same manga as everyone else. And I do see that he cares about the situation with Aaron, but I'm not sure I'm willing to call it, you know, this incredible heartfelt brotherly love, like on the levels that say Colton Falco had, because no, I feel like but they mm-hmm. know Zeke's perception. Together, so that makes I'm, sense. But <laughs> I'm gesturing here because I gesture and I'm just like hitting my microphone with my hands <laughs> as I flail my arms to make my the point. The thing is, Zeke always thought he found a kindred spirit in, in Aaron because they were both forced to become titan shifters by their father. And, you know, Zeke assumed that Aaron had suffered the same fate as he did. And now, lo and behold, that's not the case. Well, there is always going to be that level of contempt just because of how much he hated Grisha and the fact that he felt yeah. abandoned, um, like in favor of Aaron. So you, there was never going to be a full trust-love situation there, aside from one that maybe he forced himself to believe in. Well, I mean, I never got the feeling that Zeke felt abandoned by Grisha, or at least in the sense that he chose Aaron over Zeke. Well, if he didn't feel that before, he might be feeling that now. Yeah, for sure. That might be interesting, though. So I I have a question for Coffee, because I know Coffee loves Aaron very, very much. Were you at all surprised by how direct Aaron was? Um, I mean, I don't want to say he spoke to Zeke with contempt, but certainly contentiously. Was that something that caught you off guard or is that just Aaron being Aaron? I mean, does Aaron still, are you seeing glimmers of old Aaron here or is he still sort of an unknown to you as well? Um, You know, it's still kind of unknown, but you're kind of seeing, I think, old Aaron as well, because I, I wonder if some of this is also kind of lingering from like what just happened. Like, with um, him kind of like antagonizing everybody, and he like Aaron was clearly not on board with that last chapter. You can see him kind of reaching out to say like, "No, he can't talk," but he's like, "No, don't do it." And um, what really I thought was really kind of interesting was like he's he's like kind of like really rude to Zeke, but at the same time he's still calling him brother, right? So it's kind of interesting that there's still like uh, he he acknowledges him as his brother, but he's talking to him pretty pretty rudely right he's still calling him like anta and he's like talking to him like really like nastily but he's still calling him brother which i thought was really interesting now you've you've seen the original japanese is there any sarcasm there or is he like what does his language look like i mean it's still it's it's the translation i thought was pretty like spot on okay but the nuance was there any was there could you tell that he was angry at zeke I don't, I don't know how Japanese works, but I know there's a lot of nuances that are often very difficult to translate. Yeah, you could tell he was me, I think, angry or annoyed. I mean, the facial expressions gave it away anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had sort of forgotten, though, that Zeke had just transformed, you know, 
a lot of people Aaron probably was friends with. So yeah, that uh-huh. would explain it. Like Pixis. But like, even though he's talking to him, like really like annoyed or like, like rudely, he still calls him brother, you know, which I thought one of the translations leaves that out, by the way. So I thought that was oh. interesting. So we already talked a little bit about, you know, uh, Zeke's feelings about Grisha. Kenny, I know that you are a father yourself, so I'd like to hear your feelings about Grisha before and after this chapter. Um, Before the chapter, he's, he's, a, uh, he's a difficult parent because he tried so hard with Zeke the first time. And he made him who he is now in the story, which is a terrible, awful human being. <laughs> and then he made Aaron who he is, which lately has been another terrible human being. But clearly from this chapter, we know he's not, or at least he's, we, we actually don't know what he's doing. Um, but I think showing Grisha apologizing to Zeke was awesome because, you know, maybe it gave Zeke something to not be such a psychopath. Probably not, but... We can hope. And I don't think Grisha was as bad as a dad as other people in the story have been. Rod was a terrible parent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. Qualities. Don't forget Kenny. He was a bad parent, too. This hey, manga has no shortage of <laughs> terrible parents. That's for sure. Chapter. So, Kenny, did this chapter change your feelings about Grisha? Do you view him more favorably? Slightly. I mean, he still okay. did terrible things, but I do think he tried. Yeah, I think the point of this chapter was that um, he didn't create Aaron. Aaron created himself. Like yeah. Aaron was he always was destined mm-hmm, to make his own decisions until, of course, the serum. But I, I personally feel like Aaron would have chosen the serum had they ever had that chance. Agreed. But we'll never know. What about you, Coffee? Were you somebody? You're also a parent. How, what were your feelings about Grisha? I, yeah, I, I agree. As, as a parent, the way he raised Zeke was so horrible. But um, I, I think, like, like, uh, like Kenny said, he, he, he had regrets, right? He realized what he did was really, really shitty. And I, I think if he could take it back, he would. Of course, you can't. You can't take back what's done. Um, so I, I don't think he's a, he's, he's a great person. He's a really interesting character. And I enjoy reading about him. But man, he was so, he was so terrible with Zeke. Um, but he, he regrets it. So yeah, it's not okay, but I guess it's okay. Okay. Crack theory. Are we okay with ending spoilers like the final panel? Yeah, do it. Okay. You guys keep saying you can't turn things back. All things are possible through paths. The father at the end in the final panel was Grisha holding baby Zeke because Titans aren't a thing anymore and you are free. But then there's no Aaron. And? He's a suicidal (laughs) maniac. We've known that since day one. Fair enough. All things are possible through paths. He could, like, genetically program himself to be born next or something. That's just my crack theory. I've always thought that Aaron's real goal was to get Ymir or to, to use the founding Titan to, to prevent Titans from even existing. So, fuck, maybe. I mean, the father's always looked like Grisha to me. I do think that the panel of the baby being held is supposed to make us think about that final panel. That's definitely 
you know, whether it, it's related to the final panel or not, we don't know, but I don't know anyone looking at it that's seen the final panel didn't, you know, kind of side eye it to see if the pose was the same or if the shoulder was the same or. I've had uh, so many posts about that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely a possibility. Even before this, people thought that the final panel looked a little bit like Grisha. It had Grisha's hair. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never really thought Grisha was that bad, at least towards Aaron. Um, like, to, uh, God, towards Zeke, he's like the worst father in existence. But towards Aaron, he's actually pretty decent dad. Um, and I mean, all, all this chapter really showed for me was that he can regret the past and learn from it, which, I mean, kind of duh. Um, so I'll be a little cold and say I don't really understand what the big deal was. But that was just me. Yeah, I personally am still not a, a big Grisha fan. Um, as you know, of course, you know, his parroting with Zeke aside, um, not giving Aaron a choice about what happened and, you know, killing all the Rice children in, you know, that brutal way that he did and I don't know. I, to, you know, and keeping all that s- stuff secret from Carla all those years. You know, I don't think he's a great person. Let's just leave it at that. But I do think he's an interesting person because now that we've seen the memory of him going down um, the, into the chapel, like underground, way before he was ever, or way before we ever thought he was uh, going there, kind of makes me interested in, you know, what did he find out and what did he know? And, is there more to this story still to discover? Yeah, I was happy to see they did that because it always made him feel like an incompetent idiot to me, like not to find the chapel until literally the, the day, day the walls yeah. fell. I'm sure he, he found it before, but that was kind yeah. of like his moment where, okay, now I have to strike. But It's such I, a huge accomplishment that he found it at all. I mean, is, as quickly yeah. as he did, considering how deeply it's hidden. And I probably should have double checked this, but the... The sick person that he's talking to, is that the same guy that ends up in the uh, shit machine? I think I, don't... I did read that. Hmm, maybe. He reminds me of the guy we saw during Erwin's trial. So if it is, it's the same guy. <laughs> I mean, it would make sense yeah. if it's the same guy. Yeah, it would. Uh, we, we all know how he loves reading back in the He's like with Kenny this chapter, which, like, I was so happy to see that. I, I so wish we got more Kenny. Right here. <laughs> How are you doing? The official that Grisha visits in 120 is almost certainly the same man we see in Chapter 61, the uh, person at Irwin's trial. So I'm going to assume that he's also the guy in the shit machine. So, you know, that's, uh, I don't think we ever have a name for this character, but it is interesting that we see exactly how Grisha was able to find the Reese Cavern by going straight to top government officials and serving as their physician. So I thought that was a nice inclusion that we didn't know before. I'm surprised the community hasn't named him like shit coon or something. (laughs) I'm sure it's the same guy though. Looking at 61 and 120, that's definitely the same guy. So whether or not he's the one that features in 63 wearing his frilly socks and nothing else, uh, I can't be sure about that. But I still can't believe that Isayama brought the shit machine back just to kill Zachary with it. I can't believe it was even a thing in the first place. Like, 
No, that's I, I can't remember what the person looked like in that chair because it's just like the most horrible thing in this entire manga to me. I can't look at it. Okay, so uh, actually looking at the poll results, um, people actually agree with most of you. Like 46% of all people think that they admire Christian now and how he learned from his mistakes and chose his new family, at least, over his mission. Uh, around 21% think it's... Uh, great that he was a good father to Aaron, but still, that doesn't change how he treated Zeke. And uh, 20% uh, say that they love Grisha before and they love him even more now. And 8% are like, eh, still lukewarm about him. <laughs> are you in the 8%, Luna? I am probably... Yeah, he was a good father to Aaron. I still don't think he's a good person, but he was a good father to Aaron. But he's still not a good person, and he was a shit father to Zeke, so. I don't think shit father begins to cover how he was to Zeke. I don't think father is even an applicable term. He's yeah. A sperm donor. Well, then Dinah must have been an egg donor, because. I don't want to get too far into a Grisha Defense League, but I've always felt like as a parent, the mistakes he made were very easy to make, thinking that your kids are on board. Kids are very eager to please their parents. And, I, you know, Zeke's, Grisha's problem was not paying attention. It was not realizing that Zeke wasn't as enthusiastic as he hoped. It reminds me of like sporting teams when a parent is like really into a certain sports team and the kid feels compelled to root for them, even if they hate sports. And, uh, it all comes to a head at a Thanksgiving dinner, you know, years in the future where the kid finally shouts, you know, I never liked football. And the parents confused because he thought the kid loved it because the kid always said and did the right things. And, you know, granted, this is on a far more serious scale, but yeah, I, like it goes his, above his, and beyond that to an extreme. Well, it was yeah, nationalism and saving the country and, you know, really no, pushing I'm, his ideals I'm onto a child. About- Hey, Dad, can we go play baseball? No, let's study! (laughs) Like, that's a bit beyond pushing your kid on a basketball team. How many kids have that exact experience in real life, though? I mean... Now I'm sad. (laughs) Well, um, I'd like to say that we can go on to a more cheerful topic, but... Child um, abuse! Kingsgrave uh, sent us an ask on Twitter and um, he wanted to know if we think that uh, if Zeke is redeemable after this chapter, do we think he can turn towards the light or should we forsake all hope? I think that it's kind of cute that people think that Zeke's going to change his mind. Well, he might, but he might go even harder on the euthanasia plan. Yeah. I, I hate that term. It's not euthanasia. It's sterilization. I hate it so much. Well, that's what he's calling it to make himself sound like a force of good. But euthanasia is worse. No, but if you look at the, the characters in Japanese, it, it seems like something merciful and good and kind. Uh, fair. And euthanasia also. As a Greek mom would know, you mm-hmm. means good. So it's a good thing. A good death, as opposed to the horrible slaughtering by titans and wars and God knows what else. Well, this is where his feelings for his father, his father wanted to preserve his race forever, make his race dominant. 
Zeke wants to get rid of his race entirely. So it's not just being merciful to all Eldians in the world. It's undoing everything his father has done or, or going in the complete opposite direction of his father. So, you know, even uh, if he considers it merciful, there's a lot of daddy issue in there. Never really looked at it like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not based on mercy. It's based on getting back at his father or undoing everything his father set out to do. I don't think it's all that necessarily. I mean, it has to be, you know, he's also influenced by Xaver. You know, the person who was good and kind to him, influencing him with the whole sterilization plan. And I mean, you know, that certainly gave it a kinder face, you know, a kinder, uh, a poster child for why it was a good idea. But like, I mean, we've seen other, you know, Eldians see like that are that grew up in Marley and and they also came to the same conclusion. Like this isn't working, but, you know, Marley isn't a good guy, but neither are the Paradisians. So. We need to come to a better solution, but I don't know what it is yet. I mean, the Paradisians were good guys. They were just living there and minding their own business. I mean, beforehand, they might not have been. Yeah, fair. And they could have been, not have been either. Like, they could destroy the world. So, Kenny and Coffee, what do you guys think? Is um, anything going to change? Is Zeke redeemable? Sorry, that was the question. What do you yeah. guys think? Is Zeke redeemable? I think he is. I mean, it really might depend on what this next flashback that Zeke's about to show him. As long as he doesn't open the door and it's Carla and Trisha <laughs> making baby Aaron, then I think he'll be able to make it back from this. I but love it's probably how, not going to happen. I love how we always joked about this in the context of Aaron has all our memories, and now it's an actual possibility. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like because it's comics, yes, there's a chance he'll be redeemed. But I also feel like if he is redeemed, something really horrible is going to happen to him just because, you know. Oh, God, I hope he gets redeemed. (laughs) You cannot be happy and survive in this manga. It just doesn't work that way. But, like, look at Levi. He's the closest to death right now. Okay, no, never mind. Aaron doesn't have a head. He's the second closest to death right now. And he's, like, the pinnacle of apathy. Although I suppose every time he smiles, all his friends die. Hmm. Okay, I, I can see the point. I I feel like he's set up to be the antagonist of Speaking of people who might still be alive, um, do you think Aaron is making it out of life? Or do you think Zeke is? Or both. Do you think yeah, both what, do you guys, what do you guys think about this? I mean, Aaron does not have a head, and Zeke used some language to imply that either, you know, he's a moment before death, time is standing still while they do this. Do you guys see him survive in this? Let me correct you on one point there, Mom. Aaron does not have a body. He has a head. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, God, Aaron can't die here. Like, especially not if they're putting this much into it. But I also don't see Zeke dying. Like, dying in past dimension is just so anticlimactic. I don't know. 
Well, Coffee, what's just- the mood on the Aaron server? Are people thinking that Aaron is done for or are they really hopeful? I think I think people are hopeful because I think there's a there's a few things at play here, right? Um, he has three Titan powers, right? So if he dies, those supposedly split up and go to random babies. And there's no time for that. This is ending within a year, right? And then second of all, Ymir put his body back together, right? And it took time in Pat's land, right? We don't know what's the, the, the outside world is basically like frozen in time right now because the time works differently. So I think that means if she put him back together, then she probably put him or his body was reconstructed in the other world as well. Right. Oh, that's a good point. Or probably will be. No, that's a really, that's a really good point. So because the time delay before, well, Zeke was waiting for Aaron was because she had to reconstruct him in Pat's dimension to make him whole again. So it would make sense that he's whole. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I think he's not whole in the real world yet, but there are a lot of mindless Titans around. So we'll probably get another stomach stuffer. Well, I think coffee's right here. We might, we, hmm. I think coffee's right here. We may not actually see him regrow his body. I don't know. Would he have to, would, would, is, has this Yama built himself like an escape hatch here by, we'll go back and he'll already be whole again because Emir's reconstructed his body. I don't know. I don't think so. He wouldn't have specifically made a Titan tear itself open and stuff Zeke inside if Emir could have just reconstructed him out in the open like that. I think it needs some sort of connection to Titan flesh. Oh, it could be. Yeah. Because he just introduced that mechanic. He's not going to subvert it right away. And then in the final audio, you have Ar- like Armin yelling at in, right? So yeah. he's coming back in some shape or form, right? I mean, it could just be a JoJo sky cloud, but... Could be. I, it could be. I wonder about them switching consciousness or switching somehow switching bodies, like Zeke like dying. In the, yeah, Zeke. I mean, it's my worst fear, right? Zeke dying in the palace realm, but still having a physical body, and Aaron surviving it and needing a physical body. I, I it's stupid. Okay, Palpatine, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see both so of them coming out of this. That'd be so bad right. just from a marketing standpoint, like. I know. I don't I see Zeke dying before he has something with it. Connie, Levi, or both? Although I suppose one could argue that the, the issue with Levi was resolved in the forest, but I don't know. Kenny, okay. where are you? <laughs> I'm here. Okay. What do you think? Aaron. <laughs> Zeke, dead or alive? Um, I think they're both going to make it out of this particular moment alive. I don't know how much longer they'll make it, though. Either of them. I think they're both going to die. Both? Even Aaron? Before the end of the manga? Yes. Really? Hmm. Yes. What makes you say that? Oh, yeah, I agree with Kenny. Uh, There's just too much right now. Like, There's no way that both of them need to be alive for everybody to be happy. So, <laughs> you know, they both seem to want to sacrifice themselves for the greater good, and I think they will. And, and why do you think Aaron will? <laughs> why do Mom, I think why Aaron do you... will? 
or mom. well, yeah, no, why mom also agrees with you and thinks Aaron well, will die before the end of the manga. I because he's going to sacrifice himself. That I from page one, it's this is not a protagonist who's going to survive to the last page of the manga. I mean, no, okay, Levi's not going to survive. Aaron's not going to survive. Zeke's not going to. None of these guys are going to be alive by the epilogue. Who says there's going to be an epilogue? Isayama has said there would be an epilogue. It's been years, but there has to be <laughs> an epilogue. I mean, has we to be all know cons- the epilogue is what- 2,000 years in the future. That was laid out in the first panel. Probably. I mean, it could be, right? But I have no doubt that there's going to be an epilogue and that, um, you know, they all, a lot of people die in this battle. It, Aaron has always been about sacrificing himself. This, he's not, he's not going to be alive. You oh know. God, if there's an epilogue, that's probably where the baby comes in then, which means that, yeah. it, like, that's not anyone we know. Still could be. Okay, freaking Does anybody think Aaron's actually going to survive this story? I mean... No, not the story, but you said it I, until the ending. Like, well, we're in the finale now, right? We're in the final battle. Don't remind me. I think he's going to survive. No, I I don't see him dying. I think he is. I think he is. I think we all think we all thought, or I I thought, oh, he's not going to make it. But now I think, wait, Isayama never does what we think he's going to do. He's going to live. He's totally going to live, you guys. (laughs) Are you going to tell her wrong manga? (laughs) Wrong manga. Yeah, she does sound like she's trying to convince herself more than us here. (laughs) (laughs) Look at it. Listen, if I had to spend that much money on air. I would want him to live too. <laughs> yeah, like mom, I like how you asked her what the Aaron server is thinking about Aaron. Like, really? <laughs> They're gonna well, be the they, most optimistic thing ever. I, I'm I'm always curious what people who focus on that care like they have focused on Aaron far more than I have. Uh every facial expression, every nuance, every ab bump. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, you know, I I'm they're the experts. And and granted it's it's gonna be optimistic, just like we all are about our favorite characters, but I want to know what the conversation was. Like, was this chapter good for them? I'm sure it was. All the cute baby Aaron. Aaron mm-hmm. finally admitting that he's not on board with Zeke. You know, what were the highlights from the people, the faithful, the people that love Aaron more than anybody else? Look, Aaron's server already knew he was not on board with Zeke from like a while ago. Right? Okay. And there's baby, baby Aaron everywhere. So cute. Best chapter. are are we going to talk about how there was the from you to 2000 years in the future panel in the uh front and center of the memories yeah we got that that, um in the memory with the people that discussed that segment okay okay what are your thoughts about zeke's and aaron's relationship at this point coffee what do you think about do you guys have siblings? Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like even though they didn't grow up together, there's that sibling dynamic where you acknowledge each other as siblings, but you go through that phase where you hate each other and you're you're trying to like one up each other. You know what I mean? Or maybe have better relationships with your siblings. <laughs> you know, where it's like, um, especially when you're close in age, it's like a battle between each other. Have you have you have you experienced that, or is that just me? Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and they're going through that all at once, except with genocide on the table. Exactly. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> I, I kind of. Did you guys find it funny? I thought it was yeah. so funny. I thought Were you laughing? Funny. Was everybody yeah. laughing reading this chapter? Okay. I'm not really <laughs> laughing, but. No, I was bored out of my mind with this chapter. <laughs> I was confused. Like I said, something about this chapter felt off to me. Do you feel that like Zeke is lying because what is this thing that he's bypassing the king's will? Like all of a sudden he's like throwing that out there and it seemed to have come out of nowhere. You know That's what I mean? That's exactly what I was saying. Like I was in Eric's or Crowen's uh, uh, um, DMs like, what the hell is going on? This just like subverts everything we know. And he was like yelling mm-hmm. at me about how like, no, this is just every, we assumed things like it just feels off. <laughs> I mean, it did we assume off. things? I mean, it's these have been established rules for this entire time. Why Aaron That's what could I use said. a coordinator? That's what I said. But but his point was that they were every time that it was established, it was actually just a character guessing that that's how it worked. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure I buy that. Well, the problem is Zeke is still the sole source of information on all this. He's the one. Of course, it's Ymir. You know, yeah. who else could it be? He doesn't know. He has no idea. Yeah, and like I said in response to the poll, because I actually took it this chapter, you're welcome, um, was um, I think Aaron just hasn't learned to use it yet because Zeke was there for a thousand years or whatever. And like Zeke is like, oh yeah, I've been talking with Ymir. She's not talking to anybody, okay? He didn't say he'd been talking, he said he'd learned from her. (laughs) Yeah, how how would he have learned from her? You know, no, I'm not buying it. He, He experimented. <laughs> Did they do like sign language? I wonder. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave my statement where it was, and you can fill in the blanks. <laughs> they experimented. I mean, if she's one of the original people, and he's got royal blood, maybe he can just touch her and get stuff from her. I don't. Maybe it could be that because he has royal blood, but he doesn't have the founding titan inside him. He's in control in the paths realm, but Aaron would be in control in the physical world. But as soon as they I, touched, they went to the past room. I feel like he, I feel like they need each other to accomplish whatever they need to accomplish. Cause I feel like, like, let's say, let's look at it from Zeke's point of view, right? Zeke wants to do this e- euthanasia thing, right? No matter what. I feel like mm-hmm. if he didn't need Aaron, he would have just done it. Right. Yeah. So I feel like he needs him on board and that's why he's so gung ho about I'm going to fix you. I'm going to I'm going to cure you and um and you're going to be on my side. You know what I mean? Because he needs him to be on his side to do whatever he needs to do. If not, he would have just done it. And well, that's the say, thing. He either he either needs Aaron to accomplish his goal or he just needs to prove his point. Like he needs for emotional reasons his brother to be on his side. And for me, saying that he was going to cure him was just the creepiest sentence. Yeah. Hey, this, I said this in another recession, but I, I, I worded it badly. But to me, Zeke wanting to prove to Aaron his point reminded me of like Kung Fu movies where the ninjas sort of posture around the, you know, to give the protagonist a time they always end up losing because they have to do all this posturing and attacking one by one and showing off and, you know, and it gives the protagonist time to actually win the fight. And Zeke is posturing right now. He's, he's wanting to prove his point when he could just be getting down to business. So yeah, like this you, is why he's going to lose. You figure Aaron's like flexing, like his mental muscles this entire time, seeing how much control he has over Ymir. 
while Zeke's distracted by Grisha. Maybe. Yeah, Aaron definitely spends the entire last half of that chapter. He's panicked to a point, and then once once Zeke decides to take the stroll down memory lane, he spends the rest of the chapter just kind of observing and side-eyeing the situation. It does feel like he's no longer worried about what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know if you all question, got that impression. The question becomes if Aaron controls what we're about to see in the next memory or not. Because if he does, then he then that means he's already controlled Krista, because it's fucking nightmare. Um, but if he doesn't, and he's just saying, well, here's the entry to the next memory. I want to go see what it is. Then that's something else. It feels to me like he's in control. Did, did it? What about you guys? Did you coffee? Kenny, did you guys think it felt like Aaron was? Yes. Because, just because of the last ending line where he's like the next memory, like, bitch, I know what's about to happen. So enjoy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, and he's opening the door, right? Yeah. Which is a clear shift. It's about to show his story of getting pregnant. Oh, no. I love, I love how the people that think that Aaron is the daddy looked at that memory shatter. She's sitting there crying like, oh, He's the daddy. I'm like, why can you want, how can you, she's crying. How is this okay? seeing Historia in there. Like, Listen, you know, there, are only, there are only two new memories in the memory shatter that we've not seen. Historia crying and the Fez boy. Historia. Fez Coon. Let me see. Uh, <laughs> well, and the Falcon. Um, let's see. Memory shatters, the world oh. I, I didn't even think that was a story. That doesn't look like a story to me. It looks more like Louise. Why would Aaron have a memory of Louise? I don't know. I figured it <laughs> might, might have been from the night that he talked to Yelena, but it does not look like a story to me at all. Hmm. Maybe it's just the way the hair frames it. And I just noticed that Connie's fingers are up Sasha's nose. Um, yeah, no, I, don't, I don't think it's a story. I think it is. I think it is. It's um, yeah. It's older, slightly older Historia. Mm, yeah. The hair is completely off, though. It's the clothes she's wearing. It's it's from the time skip. It's it's Historia it's on the farm. Farmer couldn't and then the the hooded uh-huh. thing. Yeah. 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 But apparently, her her crying is proof positive that Aaron's daddy, and not that Aaron's put her, you know, asked her to do something. I don't know. It, there's yeah, so she- much that could be read from that. She's crying okay, and she guys. says, Aaron, I'm pregnant. Anything else about Zeke and Aaron playing Uno or reverse Uno? Dual monsters or. <laughs> it's time to. I did love how it made it seem like they make up their own rules at this point. No, you've activated my trap card. Wait, no, you've activated my trap card. Screw the rules, I have passed. <laughs> Is this making you all... Does anyone else have the feeling that neither of them has any idea what... Like, they're literally wanted to get to this place and had no idea how it was going to operate? Or, well, of course I mean, they just, didn't have any idea how it was going to operate. Nobody's ever been there before. Except for Ebier. Yeah. But even then, she was there just to for construction. She doesn't know how to use it. No. 
Because if she did, she wouldn't be dead. It it just feels very much to me like they're messing with the lives of all of you. have no idea what they're playing with. Of course they don't. Again, genocide. <laughs> now I want to go. Like we'll get juice. to this place and then we'll figure it out. That's kind of what it yeah. feels like. Mm-hmm. Well, they know I, that, that, that they can has, do something. Yeah, like they, you can't have it any other way because they don't know how that place works. They don't know what you can do. Hell, Aaron didn't even really know it existed. So how can you account for something that you don't know about? Just the path that he took to, to get there. Let's burn every bridge. Make the entire world mad at us, you know, ruin all my friendships to get to this place. And I have no idea what I'm going to do when I get there or how it works, but I'll do something. I mean, I mean I, I, I think he's aware of paths as a physical realm well, or a spiritual realm, whatever it is. But I will agree that it's really weird that they didn't touch Beck and Marley. Or in the blimp. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, but like Zeke specifically called out, oh, it'd be bad if we touch now. Why ought it be bad? You're <laughs> fucking omnipotent. Like, what does it matter? You, you, you sterilize them now, you sterilize them later. Right. Why well, get to Shiganshina, wine plot everybody, get everyone into, you know, one area and then touch. What, yeah, what was important? Like a, a full metal alchemist, you have to be in the right position, the center of the summoning circle at the, uh, <laughs> at the center of the eclipse or like, is there a reason Paradisian soil is important here? Oh God, what if there's a fucking rice cave there on top of and they have to be on top of Iceberg Stone? God damn it. It feels like that. Okay. <sighs> but then they... They said they they couldn't touch, so something would have happened if they touched before. So, but but why does it matter? I don't know, but we'll find <laughs> out maybe if we're lucky in a year from now. <laughs> I hope we don't in a year from now. I hope this monitor continues. We'll see. I get sad when people talk about how it's going to end. Too. So we got one last uh, ask from Twitter about this topic, and that is uh, from Mosop. And he asks, uh, or he says, Aaron is Bez MC ever. What do you think? No. Who is? Lelouch v. Britannia. Huh. Coffee? Yes or no? Of course. Kenny? No. Who is? Yusuke Urameshi. Who? Oh, Yu Yu Hakusho. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Wow. Mom. Okay, so I do think, I do think... As far as protagonists go, I never like protagonists, so it's unsurprising that Aaron's not my favorite, but he is one of the most interesting ones I've ever had the pleasure of reading. So he's, I'll give so him, is he I'll the give best him, or no, no, no. Who is the best? <laughs> the best. Like, are we talking, do we have to do shonen manga? No. Uh, best main character. I would go with uh, Akane Tsunamori from Psychopath. Okay, okay. She's good. Yes. Can't wait for season three. Yeah, so I'm like mom. I don't usually like protagonists, but I love guts. CGI <laughs> guts or normal guts? Normal, not CGI. <laughs> 1997 guts. For sure. Okay, so now it's time for the quick fire round. If you've been on our podcast or you've listened to our podcast before, then you know how it goes. You choose between two characters' names and choose your favorite. Kruger <laughs> or Grisha? Kruger. Kruger. That's hard. I'm uh, going to go with Kruger. Armin? 
or Mikasa? Mikasa. Mikasa. Armin. Erwin or Levi? Oh, it's mm. hard. Erwin. <laughs> uh, Levi. Erwin. Hanji or Pixis? Hanji. Oh, I... Pixis. I hate you so much for this one. <laughs> Hanji. Niall or Marlo? Niall. 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 How's that even a question? Hitch or Annie? Annie. Hitch. Annie. <laughs> <laughs> Floch or Louise? <laughs> I, I guess Louise. <laughs> I'll pick Flock. Um, Louise, just because who the alternative is. Yelena or Onyankopon? Yelena. I'll go with Yelena too. Yelena. Flegel or Mr. Browse? Flegel. Mr. Browse. <laughs> Who are either of these characters? Flegel. <laughs> Moblet or Mike? Moblet. Moblet. Best boy. Mike then. Okay. No, Moblet. <laughs> Aaron? <laughs> Aaron or Zeke? <laughs> There's only one choice here. <laughs> this is where this is where you determine if you get to come back on the podcast or not. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Aaron. Aaron, because Zeke's a dick. Aaron. <laughs> Jean? I mean, yeah. Do you, Zeke just because Dio voice actor, but Aaron because character. Jean or Connie? John. Connie. Connie. Gabby or Sasha? Gabby. Sasha. Gabby. Yeah, are you going to sing Gabby Gang again? You've sang Gabby it every gang, time. Gabby Gang, Gabby Gang, Gabby Gang, Gabby Gang. Gabby Gang is in the goddamn auto mod because of how much that is spammed Gabby on gang, my Gabby Gang, Gabby Gang, Gabby Gang. Falco or Porco? Oh, it's hard. Um, Falco. Porco. Falco. <laughs> Marcel? Oh no, sorry. Uh, for best brother, Marcel or Colt? Oh, oh God. I guess Mar- Marcel? Oh. I'm going Colt with this one. Why did yeah. Colt have to suicide himself? You know, he could have. <laughs> Can I ask you something? Thank you. Thank you, Coffee. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank you. you. Thank right. you. You said you have a sibling, right? Are they younger I'm, or older than you? They're younger. Are you the eldest? I am. What? <laughs> okay, but but here's the question. When are we going to find out how Marcel died? Like, I'm tired of this I don't just know. being a clean mystery. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, next one. Reiner or Bertold? I didn't even answer. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I you did. Oh, I'll leave you that question. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. For the record, Colt. Thank you. Sorry. Okay, Reiner or Bertold? Reiner. 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 Willie or Kiyomi? Willie. Kiyomi. Willie. Shadis or Zachley? Shadis. Shadis. 
Shit man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next uh, few are not people, but you'll get it when I say them. Um, okay. The Jaegerists or the Survey Corps? Survey Corps. Jaegerist. Survey Con Legiment. <laughs> God, I just had a bridge series. Marley or the Jaegerists? Oh, Jaegerists, I guess. <laughs> Jaegerists. Um, the Nazis or the Trumpists? <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> um, pass. Oh, that's the right answer. Mm. So, Marley or Survey Corps? Survey Corps. Survey Corps. Survey Corps. Okay, and then the last one is what would you like to would you most like to see resolved next? Um, Historia's pregnancy or Levi and Hanji's fate? Levi and Hanji's fate. I need to see the fake ball underneath Historia's belly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't say that in a podcast with mom. Holy shit. Thank you, oh. Kenny. You're my favorite person. <laughs> oh, man. I can imagine the look on her face. I'm uh, smiling. Bullshit. <laughs> Leave it on. Okay. I guess that was it for this session. So thank you guys all for being on, especially considering all the time zone different schedules. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, okay, who's the most diasporic of our, uh, of our guests? Let's put them together. Yeah, but thank you guys for being on, even though, you know, scheduling-wise, it wasn't the most ideal. I really appreciate it for everyone. It was so fun. Thank you. Yeah, I hope you guys had a good time. And you too, Kenny. I know this was your first time, so. I, I had fun. Good to hear. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> okay, bye, guys. Thank you bye. so much. Bye-bye. That's all for our sassy two brothers. Let's now talk about um, this month's news. Uh, as you know, there's been um, an SNK, the final event exhibit going on in Japan right now. And part two recently started. I think it was uh, on August 5th. Coffee, can you tell us a little bit more about that? I think it was August 5th. It was sometime this week. Um, and yeah. Emiko was there. <laughs> I know. And we met up and the line was insane. The line was super long. And I guess because it's like vacation time. I don't know. But the first half was not like this. And it was like two wow. hours and in the heat and there was like no coverage. And um, we were able to meet each other. And um, there's a couple of things that were different. Like there was like some new artifacts. <laughs> including Aaron's key and Aaron's key. The description is like his body oils have seeped into the, the, the what's it called? The string holding the key. And everybody's like, Oh, it's his sweat. I want to lick it. You know what? Oh. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about that, but I should have expected. 
there was mm. so much more. The discussion got really, really disturbing. Um, so there was that. And um, Wait, the more interesting- in real life, people were like, I want to lick it? Like, Yeah, that was like on Twitter. Oh, okay. Okay, so not like standing at the exhibit, looking at the new artifact, people looking at the key, trying to get to it and lick it. No, okay. I want to lick it. Not. Oh, that would be so gross. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think people are just joking around, you know. Okay. Hopefully, Why would they mention? Oh, you sweet summer child. You think they were joking. <laughs> so, Kofi, with these yeah. artifacts, there's literally just a placard with each artifact and just a tiny bit of information, right? Yeah. Okay. Why would they mention that? Yeah, that's what everybody was talking about. Something. <laughs> there wasn't enough to put in there. It's like, it's a key. What do we do with it? I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, no, no, seriously, the key okay. is really important. If that's what they chose to mention, that it's absorbed his body oils. They yeah, could've, was- yeah, they could have put in like what. Um, Mom, the Fujios are spending their hard-earned cash there. Let them have something to enjoy. <laughs> yeah, Coffee, how so, much have you spent going to this exhibit already? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't think you want to know. I, don't I think do. That's my fine. entire month's wages, I'm sure. Um, man, let me tell you, every time I go to that store... How much is a ticket for entry? A ticket for entry is not bad. It's only like 2,000 yen. So like about, about $20-ish. As a disclaimer, usually there is no manga merchandise. So this is my one last chance, and then there's going to be nothing after this. And I mm-hmm. love the manga designs. That's how I feel about it, too. The designs of this were amazing. I love I love all the marketing that went into this final manga exhibit. And if I was there, I would absolutely buy up the shampoo, the, I mean, everything. I would buy everything there because, I, I don't know, this stuff, this is the, this only, is the best. This yeah, is the this stuff is the that time. matters. Yeah. The rest of the time, it's wit. That's all it is. Yep. So it's the only chance. And the wit stuff, I don't need that much unless it's like something unique, you know? I'm with you. I have all sorts of anime merchandise. It's the manga merchandise that that matters to me. And that's why I really wanted those flyers from the exhibit. So what else was different about the exhibit? Were there um, any significant changes? All of the character... Almost all of the character illustrations in the character illustration room were were changed out. So it was a lot more of the newer stuff that wasn't included in the first half that people are like, oh, why isn't there any of the newer stuff? This one had all the newer oh. stuff, like Levi, like exploding and Ed and oh, Stimpak wow. and all that stuff. So it was pretty nice. And what about um, merchandise? There was finally some warrior merchandise. Was that all new? There was very little warrior merchandise but there was like some of the oh, basically all the color pens had the warriors added and um there was like one sticky memo pad that had zeke that i got for my son because he's a zeke fan and that's it like there's not a lot at the exhibit were there any more um fun facts from like there were from last time i know with the character names and original designs uh, anything like that that stood out to you um, there was, but I forgot. Okay. What, like the little messages attached to the new illustrations changed and there was like a bunch of new descriptions. Actually go to Emika's Twitter at Emika 50 and you can read, she did all the translations for those. So if you could okay. read that, that would be awesome. Someone mentioned that Connie was like off to the side with Zeke or something now. 
No, he's off with with Historia, but that's been the case from the beginning. And I thought the placement is so weird, you know, because it's like all the different characters and then, um, sorry, Connie and Historia are kind of like together on like their own wall across from like the warriors. And I thought, why would Connie? Maybe. (laughs) And Connie's actually the last character before you go into the new room other than warriors. So it's kind of interesting. I thought like that placement. But I don't know if it means, maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe they just, I don't know. It was the order they did it in. Oh, you so, guys. Yeah. There yes. was like, there was coaster drama. You mentioned oh, yeah. this. Tell I me. Tell me. <laughs> okay. So at the exhibit, <laughs> there was these coasters, right? Because there's always coasters. And um, so there were six coasters total, but there was only three at a time, right? Three for the first half and then three for the second half. But during the first half, somebody took pictures of all six coasters and then was trying to sell them on Mercari, which is like this, um, this resale site. And there was all this drama. They're like, Oh, should we stop selling the coasters? And this is theft. And it has to be one of the workers and maybe we'll just stop it all together. And then, um, so there's all that drama around that. And then when Emika and I went to the cafe um, I was like, why is it so understaffed here? People are dropping dishes. One girl almost got hit by a cup. And I'm like, what's happening? And then she was telling me the story. And I'm like, oh, my God, everybody got fired <laughs> because it was super duper understaffed. And everybody was having you could tell it was really um, kind of like stressful for the wait staff. So I think um, there's a big layoff there. Hmm. But that's it. There's nothing that interesting, like other than there's like merch and, and that's it. The audio, people are like saying the audio has changed. The audio has changed. The audio did not change. The character exhibit audio changed, but that's just a description of the different things. Oh, I thought Isayama just decided to change the ending again. <laughs> he could be. He said, but he's always <laughs> said, okay, he said that in the other thing with the final panel too. People are like, this is the final panel, no matter what. It's like, no, <laughs> even on the TV show, he said, it might be, but I might change my mind. And he said the same thing for this. So he's always kind of left an out, right? Yeah. So how would her new um, items at the cafe compared to last time? Were they I better? Mean, it's kind of like the same. What was what was even you? There's this. What did, what did Emika and I ordered the? <laughs> okay, so you know every cafe lately has had the dinner before the night. They go to Shiganshina where they have meat and and the potatoes and, and the fucking potato <laughs> and it has a full potato and I'm so sick of potato and so it, <laughs> there was that and there was more cocoa. And then we ordered cocoa. And then there was like this um, TV people sitting next to us. And they're like, can we take, can we ask you questions and take pictures of your food? They're like, why'd you order so many cocos? And we're like, because of the coasters. And we tried to explain to them about like the coasters and like the whole thing with that. And it's like, there's different coasters and you have to buy the cocos. And we ended up giving them a cocos. Might end up on TV. Yeah. So these are like, like hot chocolate. It's iced. Iced cocoa. Huh. So like with chocolate milk. <laughs> with with a lot of cream. Anything else newsworthy about part two of the exhibit? Um no, not really. I mean they added some foreigners, so like I guess there's a lot of foreign um guests right now. So there there's that. There's more English assistance. But other than that, nothing nothing too drastic. Oh, there is one news. Okay, so on nine nine 
they're going to have a special day for the exhibit. It's actually going to be missing some of the things. It's not going to have like the video and stuff, but it's going to be a special anniversary event that they're having. You can't pre-order tickets. You just have to go and wait in line and you can go and see it. But um, I think there's like some photo ops and things like that. But uh, the exhibit actually closes on 9-8, but 9-9 is a special day. You know Isayama's going to be there. Like, that's going to be a surprise. It's like photo <laughs> on Isayama. Oh, my God. I hope so. I'm going, yeah. I canceled all my work. Oh no, of course <laughs> she's going. What is, why is that even a question? It's more like, like she said, doesn't she have other applications? But apparently she can just cancel them because, you know, this is more important, obviously. That's like everything. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what is your uh, favorite uh, item that you bought at the exhibition shop? Oh, it's so hard. Um, it's not I like that you wasted your money. <laughs> I like the cup. I like the Kiriko cup because I've never owned a Kiriko cup before and it's my first one. So I can drink from it. I can drink alcohol, which is nice. So <laughs> it's pretty good. And I don't, I don't remember half the stuff that was there. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of pens and stuff. Just go in the uh, other room. It's probably all full by now. I'm in the room, but it's, you know, it's really embarrassing. A lot of it is still in the bag. <laughs> I haven't. You don't have the space anymore. I saw your shelves. Like, they're completely full with Aaron everywhere. I added, no, like, a bookshelf. Like just buying to buy, like a hoarder? <laughs> no, because <laughs> I, I have to make space for it. I've been putting some stuff out, but, like... What is even in here? There's like hand towels and stuff and like pens. I don't know. I don't even know what it was. Like most of the stuff. Like my statement stands. <laughs> I am going to put it out at some point. Oh, there was aroma oil. Oh, like fragrance? Yeah. Hmm. And you can actually it's, put it on these little hair ties. Like I wish it smelled like Aaron's key, but it just smells like bergamot and... Levi's is what? Levi's is... No, Levi's is bergamot. Aaron is lemongrass. You know none of them smell like this because they have got to be filthy oh, living in that not. world. I also like how you just admitted that you were one of the people who wanted to smell Aaron's key. I do. Fujo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a Fujo. <laughs> I just like Aaron. <laughs> Did any of you guys want anything from the final exhibit? Merch-wise? Um, I, I really wanted that glass, but you know how that is. It's expensive. I mean, uh, I mean and, and aside from, like, realistically, what you could spend money on. Um, I The only thing that really, really, really caught my eye was the pairing blade letter opener. Oh, right. Yeah. How about you, Kenny? Did you want anything from the exhibit? I love potatoes. <laughs> Mom, did you get anything from the exhibit aside from the I flyers? Ordered, I ordered the flyers from um, Amic. I really wanted those. I there, there's so much merchandise in this exhibit that means a lot to me because you know it's manga centric. Um, so it's been yeah. Um, I haven't made a list, and I you know I don't know how aggressively i'm going to be seeking out these materials but uh i've been watching mm -hmm. other people get them like a friend of mine got the Irwin shampoo uh you know <laughs> that kind of stuff is just awesome like i all of that stuff is just amazing because it has the manga art on it and uh mm -hmm. yeah i i like the tote bag i like the there's i mean yeah every if i was there 
I would, I would, my wallet would be in pain, absolute pain. <laughs> I, I would have taken a separate suitcase for stuff. I actually have an embarrassing low, embarrassingly low amount of Attack on Titan merchandise or any anime, really. Um, like since Jackson destroyed my collector's edition season one, <laughs> shut up, Luna. I still don't even have that. Like I'm trying to find it. It's like five hundred dollars for oh. the, the freaking cardboard box season one part two payment. Yeah, I don't care that much about the anime. Is my problem. I mean, I get anime merchandise. I don't even have season two Blu-ray. I I love the manga. So this event, I was telling my husband, this event happening in Japan right now is like the culmination of this would be like me going being a sports hero and going to the Olympics, right? This is like the culmination of five years of my fandom. And this is it. This is it. And I'm, unless it goes on tour, you know, I'm hoping it goes on tour. I'm hoping it it comes somewhere in the U.S. If it comes anywhere in the U.S., I'm going. It would be nice if it did, but we know it won't. It might. I don't know. The fact that it's in English. It's all been translated already. Yeah, maybe. Sorry, what Mm -hmm. was that, Kenny? Universal Studios in Orlando. Why not? Yeah. Can we do Universal Studios in Los Angeles so I can actually afford to go there? My guess is it'll go to LA at least. New York, LA. We'll right. see if I feel like anywhere else. Yeah. I prefer like Orlando. Shit, now I need to start uh, saving for this. They've put it, so much uh, effort into branding and marketing. I mean, everything about this marketing and branding, none of this is... Like the cafe events are sloppy sometimes, right? I mean, it's cute mm-hmm. merchandise, but it's sloppily done. This manga exhibit, they have done it up museum quality. And the marketing, I work in marketing or I work with advertising agencies. Everything about it is beautiful. So if they don't take this on the road, I, I would be shocked. They might have to rebrand a little bit of it because final exhibition would be confusing since we've never had any exhibition. I'm still so sad that I didn't get a chance to even like put it down payment on that massive Aaron armor Titan statue. Oh, that's news. So, okay. So, you know, like that massive, massive like figure that, that, um, uh, Darth Mewtwo was just talking about. I think there was like an accident at the factory, like it caught fire or something and they canceled all the orders. We have to talk to Alina cause she ordered it. And I don't know if they kind of like sent any information on it or what, or they're going to, you know, just delay it. But yeah, something happened and all those orders got canceled, right? All of them. Oh, wow. Really? I had no yeah. idea. I hadn't heard about because that. Something happened at the factory. I No, I hadn't even heard that there was an accident, let alone that all the orders got canceled. Ask Alina about it. She would know more. Yeah, I will. Yeah, there were multiple people I saw who ordered it. So they were all doing like partial, like monthly payments. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they had like a payment plan for it because that's how expensive it was. Yeah, it was not even with like I didn't buy it because even just the regular price was absurdly expensive. But with import like tax and shipping, it would have been crazy. The shipping almost on as it crazy alone. as the amount of coffee spent on the final manga. <laughs> we never talk about that. <laughs> We're not naming numbers. But um, yeah, and it's massive. It takes up so much space. So I don't even know where people will put it. I would have built an entire room around it. It would have been its own table. Well, which figure was it, by the way? Coffee, the one that got um, canceled. Was it the or, Figurama the, or the A-Toys one? I think it was the Figurama one. No? 
We were talking okay. about the really the massive one that costs like two the grand. The really expensive one, yeah. Yeah. I think that oh, was the okay. A Toys. That was A Toys, yeah. So okay. I asked Alina about it and she said they did cancel all orders because there was indeed a delay because of the accident. Okay. And she had to reorder it again, but here's the kicker. She had to pay 20k yen more for it. What? What? Yes. No. Yes. That's so messed up. And now it's set to release in March 2020. <laughs> okay, so that was all for news this month. Okay, so it's time for the Q&A. Our first question came from our friend, The Humble Servant. And he writes, I like to get controversial. Who is your favorite and worst guest? Favorite chapter discussion versus worst one? And what are some pet peeves you have of your co-host? So clearly, The Humble mm-hmm. Servant does not want us to have a Chapter 121 podcast. <laughs> yeah. No second anniversary for us if it's up no. to Humble. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let me go ahead and ask you, do we want to answer this, Luna? I mean, I've thought about it, and I feel like I can answer this question with confidence without stepping on too many toes. How about well, you? I, I, I might be diplomatic. Let's go. I like the positive one. Let's go with favorite guest. Luna, who is your favorite guest? Uh, mine was Coffee, just because she's so upbeat and energetic. And yeah, that was a podcast that I just really enjoyed recording. I always enjoy recording with coffee because she always puts me in a good mood. So, and even though it's like, how many times have we asked her to record until like three in the morning, four in the morning? And she just and did she's it. she's just as energetic at 3 exactly. a.m. as she is she's at 1 a.m. amazing. So I really enjoy well, recording with her. And she's also a good guest because she's so experienced. I think that helps. Yeah. So... I mean, this is obviously, it goes without saying this is hard to answer, right? Because this past year has been a lot of fun and I've gotten to so many people. But I think for me, my favorite guest, I would go with maybe Puppet and Reiko. And I think they're my favorite because I just find them so easy to record with. They're smart and funny and they have such great chemistry together that I don't want to say that I can go on autopilot when there are guests, but I don't really stress out too much. Like I know they can carry a conversation even if I'm maybe not having a good day. So, and I really love Reiku's voice and her laugh. Yeah, yeah, I hope I get to meet Reiku next year. She's on my list of people I would like to meet. I'd love to buy her a drink. So we just mentioned our favorite guests. Um, and then Humble ask a worst guest, but let's be a little bit more nice and say our least favorite guest. Oh, wow. I don't think I can answer this. Oh, shall I then? I mean, there are times... <laughs> that I felt like maybe a conversation wasn't as strong as others. But a lot of those times, it's just that my head wasn't in the game or that I wasn't prepared. So I um, I mean, Renan overslept. He didn't show up for his podcast. Uh, uh, remember that? Yeah. Well, that he's not my least favorite guest, but he's definitely no, my he's, least favorite he, podcast to record because, <laughs> because he overslept. We had to record at a very, very late. And I was so tired by the end of it. I, I think I don't, I didn't speak the last hour at all. And I just was zoning out and I had no idea what they were talking about. And Renan's sarcasm was completely lost on me during recording. But listening back to it was kind of fun because it was like a whole new podcast to listen to because I wasn't really present for the recording. So it was fun to listen to, but recording it was hell. Okay, so, so that was your, so not worst guess, that was your worst chapter discussion, which is something that Worst chapter, dis- well, okay. yeah, least favorite <laughs> podcast 
I don't know if we, the chapter, I don't even remember the chapter discussion because I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was, it was bad. Yeah. I don't really, I'm, I'm going to decline to say least favorite guest because there's not a single podcast that I've listened back to or that I've edited that I didn't think was good. They're all, I think they're all good. Um, yeah, but there same. are times that my head wasn't in it or I wasn't as prepared or like the worst, the worst thing is when we have a guest that has a soft microphone and we can barely hear oh. them. And then we end up not being able to utilize them as much as we should. Like we don't get to showcase them like we want to, especially if we have like a large group recording. Understanding people's conversation style is hard when you're not seeing them. It's hard to know when people have only made half the point. Well, you know what I mean? It's just really hard. <laughs> so what was your favorite chapter then to discuss? Uh, my favorite chapter discussion, I definitely chapter 119 with uh, Nitaku and Rinlai. That was like the stars aligned for that discussion. <laughs> like you were in a great mood. I was prepared. And I think with Neat and Rune as well, what's, what was so funny, like they are literally the only guests that have been virtual unknowns to me. I had no idea who they were. Never spoken to them. I've never crossed their paths. They live on Wiki Island. I'm on Tumblr. <laughs> um, so I was terrified. And when I was finally able to get them on Discord and, you know, like the day before we were set to record just to kind of do a, a mic check and make sure everyone's technology was good. I was so relieved because I knew they were going to be great. Yeah, I agree. It was also my favorite podcast to record as well. I wasn't there for the test recording, so I was a little bit more nervous when we first started. Well, you got uh, my, after we did the test recording, I text, I messaged you and I'm like, they're going to be great. Yeah, and I still wasn't convinced. <laughs> so I was like a little bit worried and anxious. And then we had like, the first five minutes and I was like, mm, still a little bit apprehensive, but yeah, they are great. They bounce off each other quite well. And they were just a joy to have on. Like Rune was great with all of the information she had and everything, you know, her thoughts. And Neat was just hilarious. And without him, I never would have known the best Brown of all, Moses Brown. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was just really funny. And like you said, I think I was the most talkative I've ever been on the podcast. What was um, funny to me about them is before the podcast, they had never actually spoken to each other. Yeah. Uh, they'd been working together for years, but had never voice chatted. So what was amazing to me was how many like inside jokes and they just had such a great rapport with each other. Like they... Again, they were just so fun to listen to together without us. Exactly. And, and it was just, yeah, and it, it was a good discussion as well. I mean, the chapter, of course, must have helped a little bit because it was, I don't know if it's my favorite chapter or my second favorite chapter, but I love 119. So yeah, it was the great chapter, great guests. Yeah. We were both in great moods. And I also appreciated Rune's organization. Like before every podcast, I make an outline of the chapter, all the talking points, potential talking points, and I ask our guests to look at it. And if there's something they really care to discuss, to go ahead and let us know. That way we can take the conversation that way. Like I want the conversation to be organic, but organized. And Rune really took that seriously. Like I think it's more than any other guest, I knew exactly how she felt on certain topics. And it just made me feel really comfortable passing the conversation to her. Mm. She made me feel confident and prepared because she was so prepared. So did you mention your uh, worst chapter discussion or? I, I, 
I was listening back to some of our older chapter discussions, Mm -hmm. and I wish technically they were better. We didn't have very good technical quality. Now that we've been doing this a year, we've got better microphones, we've got better software, we've got some, we got the Dverb plugin. We've We've got got better hardware as well to process everything on and edit. So and we try I have a, ter- a five terabyte hard drive now for the podcast, <laughs> which makes editing. Easy. Yeah. And I think, too, we're also trying to be stricter with our guests that they have to have like a bare minimum, basic minimum headset yeah. microphone. Otherwise, they're going to sound like garbage. But even if they do, we we have what we need to improve it. So I wish we could get a do over <clears throat> with all those early chapter discussions. I'm glad that we have changed our mics, at least. <laughs> I think that helped a lot. And yeah, to get some extra software to make everyone sound good in post yeah. has helped too. For me, I think the worst chapter discussion, yeah, like I said, was with Breeden just because I was completely out of it. <laughs> and for me, my worst guest, um, well, let's just say I find it very hard when guests are lo- just looking to talk about uh, what they think about the chapter. And don't really want to interact with us per se or with the other guests. I like when we have a conversation going on the podcast. And when that doesn't happen, it kind of disappoints me. So, yeah, those are probably uh, my least favorite type of guests to have on. Yeah, it's like when the guests are respectful of each other and interested in what each other has to say. We're interested in what they have to say. I mean, there has to be. Exactly. Yeah, and I also... I also like learning about other people's perspectives. You know, it also gives me something to kind of be like, oh, I didn't realize you could look at it like that. But, you know, I also want guests to experience that, you know, like try to see things from a different perspective or see a character. If you're just there to talk about what you think and kind of are Mm -hmm. close off to everyone else, it, it doesn't really make a good conversation. Which is fine too, but it's it's not great to have for a podcast per se. And I think that's something that I've had to maybe work harder on than you have, um, how to trust our guests, like how not to uh, be in too much control of the conversation because I need to trust that the things that they want to talk about and that they want to say are good and, uh, you know, just allowing that time for the conversation to meander to that point. I, again, maybe the organization is a good thing, but also a bad thing. Yeah, sometimes when I'm editing back and I listen to what somebody's saying, I wish I'd listened more closely or I wish I'd, you know, it's after in post that I think, oh, I wish I'd asked them this follow-up question or, you know, gosh, I wonder what their thought is on this. And at that point, it's too late. Mm. Okay, I, so- I also want to call out Soul's. I think 112 was another one of those times where it was just a great chapter. And 112 was perfect to have Soul as guest, the EMA conversation. And that one was so much fun because I think the people that listened to the podcast were so excited for it. Yeah, it was good to see that voice. Yeah, yeah, so many fans. And I think it made him happy to see he had a lot of support. I was nervous about the conversation with Soul, not because... You know, he's not an intimidating person. He's lovely. He's, he's incredibly easygoing, easy to talk to, very humble. But uh, I just wanted it to be a really good product for his fans. Okay, so the next thing Humble asked, what are some pet peeves you have of your... And I think it'd be really fun if we tried to guess what the other person would say. Oh. So I think your pet peeves about me are that I talk too much. 
like when I look at my voice track versus yours, mine's always like a lot Lighting more up. stuff on it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, your other pet peeve about me would be, let me think. Oh, 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 you hate, you hate that even though this is like our podcast, like our joint podcast, that people always say mom's podcast. Like, yeah, but that's not a pet peeve about you. That's not fair. <laughs> well, maybe I encourage that like accidentally. I don't know if you, you blame well, me for that. The thing is you never say, you never correct people when they say that though. <laughs> it's always like, oh, well, I was a mom's podcast or I heard on mom's podcast. I'm like, I'm, 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 uh, what? Am I not here? Am I not in the logo? What's going on? <laughs> I, I, and I you never yeah. correct them. You're like, yes, yes, yes. You did indeed hear that in my podcast. <laughs> I, I do. I do. When I can correct people, I do. Mm-hmm. Or, or what I'll do is I'll follow it up and say, well, Luna and I, blah, blah. <laughs> Amen to the next sentence that way. So I think it's getting better. I think it's getting better. I hope so. But yeah, um... I don't mind that you talk a lot. It's just sometimes you need to talk a little bit less. <laughs> <laughs> I really, trust me, editing the podcast is that. Yeah, just give people like a little bit more time to say something. But the, no, that doesn't really annoy me. I mean, I wish you would, do, but it's not really a pet peeve. A pet peeve is when you talk over me. Mm. When I have started saying something, you're like, nope, I'm going to. And what's another one of mine? Oh, yeah. When you just kind of. Oh, no, it's when you blame things on me that aren't my fault. Oh, I don't even know that I do that. It's when. um, Okay, so we had a mishap while recording the first session. One of our guests uh, ended up in our private channel. And. um, I just kind of trashed oh, the guest. That was like a week ago. That okay, but when it happened a week ago. No, but I've noticed it before as okay. other times as well. She like, and also when I try to help you with like tech issues, you will never take my word for what's going on, even though I work in tech support. And then like a year later, you kind of figure out that I was right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Those are my pet peeves. <laughs> so what do you think what do you think my pet peeves are about you? Mm, yeah, see, I've been thinking and I know listen, I'm very direct, so you know what bothers me about you, but you are very like southern and you just wrap everything in kindness and you never really tell me what annoys you about me. That's true. So it's really hard for me to say because I know there's things, but you never <laughs> say what. <laughs> so your honesty is appreciated. Sometimes it hurts, but I, I, it's not anything. None of none of the pet peeves that you or none of the the pet peeves I have, or maybe I don't even have any. Like, there's nothing I can't process or deal with. Like, sometimes things happen. And, okay, but you have to be annoyed with certain things that I do regularly. Uh, I mean, sometimes I get my feathers ruffled, but then you know. <laughs> I look at the like situation. <laughs> I look at the situation and I see how it happened. And I mean, it's never. It, yeah, I, I. I should have thought about this. If I can't think of any pet peeves, that's okay, right? You're trying to be too nice. Like, don't make me. I'm going to okay, look like the, the bad deal. guy. Here's like, the deal. talking to everyone. Here's the deal. <laughs> it's what I've learned is that it's the things. The things that you love about people also have negative side effects. 
Okay. I love your honesty, but your honesty also means that sometimes you hurt my feelings, but I wouldn't want to change that. Like that's not a pet peeve at that point. That's a quality of your personality that benefits me as much as it bothers me. I, I would hope I it like, would benefit you more than it would hurt you. Well, you, you know <laughs> what I mean. Right, right, right. Exactly. But, you know, I can't sit there and say, oh, I hate that you're like this because you being like that, like, okay, you're very, um, we both take this podcast very seriously. And for a while there, I was doing all the editing because, you know, your schedule was busier than mine. And it used to bother me that after I'd edited like you'd be too busy to listen. And then five days later, you, and by that time, I'm so sick of the podcast. I just want to publish it. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, I agreed to do this. I want to be respectful of your schedule. And I'm really glad that you care about it as much as I do, that you're willing to listen back to two and a half hours or sometimes more and pick out moments that you think could be improved. So again, it's that professionalism. I hate using that word because this is an amateur podcast. But that's one of those things that I really appreciate. But sometimes yeah, it's just I definitely like, noticed because you would be uploading things left and right. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I get so. What's the rush? <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. It's like, yeah. I just, I, after I get spending, it. You have a lot of in your plate and you just want to have like want this one less thing on off. your list. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want to get this done in two or three days, check it off the list and move on to my next thing. We and work on different schedules and timelines yeah. and it's bound to lead to like, you know, hiccups and right. frustrations. And I think we talked about this before we started actually recording. I have my own business. I'm in business for myself. I work for myself. I mean, I have clients. I have people I have to work <laughs> with, but I basically am a one man, one man shop. One woman and show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that's... I'm used to doing Which it all. I, I can kind of understand like why you would, you know, really excel that way because it just fits your personality very well. But, you know, I like, I don't know if I like being in teams, but I guess, yeah, I think I, tr I, I thrive in teams better than I do by myself. So, um, so just like I have to learn how to trust the guests. And yeah. you know, I need to learn how to trust you. So that's not really, and not that I don't trust you. I need to just let you do your thing your way and accept it and not, yeah. you know, try to stick to my schedule. So that's not a pet peeve against you. It's, you know, something I, yeah, I'm really bad at pet peeves. Yeah. Because you want to take charge, but it kind of feels like you're taking on the mom role and I'm, I'm the child who has no say. <laughs> <laughs> So, but but it's gotten probably, a lot better. We're both yeah. learning. Yeah, and the fact that I mean, we've talked now for dozens and a dozens of hours. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really proud that we got to this point. It's a huge accomplishment, and you're the person I wanted to do it with. So I'm just I'm really I'm glad proud. that you didn't want to get rid of me. No, <laughs> I didn't want to get rid of you. Do you want to Do you want to confess about almost quitting? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so at the beginning of this year, I was super busy and it was getting a bit too much for me. And I was like, I just need to quit this podcast. And mom was like, you know what? Let me just do all the editing and all the work. And then you just need to show up for a recording. Oh my God, I still need to show up for a recording. Because <laughs> I was just really, really overwhelmed and stressed out. 
And I don't know if at the time it was the best to continue with it, but um, I'm I'm very glad I stuck with it because, you know, things are different now. And yeah, I'm uh, not as stressed out and not as busy. So, so we almost ended at six months. Almost, but, but I'm glad we didn't. Me too. Yeah. We also have a backup, like if one of us gets hit by a car or something. Mm-hmm. So... We can well, continue. <laughs> right. I mean, I wouldn't want to continue with anyone but you. But, you know, if you ever need to take a month off or I need to take a month off, we have enough guests now and people that it's we not could. as much pressure. It's, a, it's an established podcast now, which makes it easier to continue. True. Okay. You have to say one thing you really don't like about because otherwise I'm going to feel bad because I said about a whole you? lot about you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't make me look like the bad guy. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I thought of something. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. But again, it's our differences in communications. Like uh, sometimes I feel like I am nice. Like it's the only one of these, like being smart, being funny. None of that comes naturally to me. Nice does. I, I think I'm genuinely, I like making people happy. So sometimes I think if I, especially if I'm in a chat and I don't know that you're there or whatever, and I, I can be self-deprecating and you take it like I'm insulting you or maybe that's not a good way to put it. Like sometimes if I compliment somebody else or in in, in such a way that maybe it looks, um, I promote somebody over us or or compliment somebody and and like in a kind of a self-deprecating way, even though I'm only talking about me or sometimes I am talking about both of us, I think you take offense and I'm just like, no, no, I'm just being nice. Don't take offense. So do you have an example? Yes. So the very first time I was in SCNK talking about the podcast and I was like, people were complimenting it. And I was like, no, you know, like downplaying it. You hit me up in DMs later and we're just like, what did you mean by this? (laughs) Do you remember that? Um, Vaguely. Sounds like me. (laughs) Okay. And, and I don't take compliments. Well, I like to deflect them. I don't. Yeah, but I like to be complimentary to other people. So, like, and another That's thing fine, was but like angry and I know when angry and it's already working, and I'm like, he's clearly got this more together than us because he was already going. Like, I was just trying. I was being very compliment. I was, you know, trying to say something nice to him, mm-hmm. and it hurt your feelings. And I didn't mean. I mean, I know you're very technically capable. I know we both are. We're smart. We're smart women, you know. <laughs> but at that moment, you were just like, because I was working on it, and then you're like, "No, don't bother." And I was like, "No, I'm over." I set know. it up and get it going. But I, but yeah. So when don't I make my efforts wasted. <laughs> when I compliment other people or or praise them for something, and and I do it in that kind of self-deprecating way, or I yeah, I don't but know you're not even. self-deprecating. You're taking me down with you, or just right. taking me down. That's self-deprecating just so you know I you like, can compliment people for what they do without bringing yourself or others down that's fine right. i'm not gonna get upset about that i'm not gonna be like oh you should praise me instead so i think those are like communication or just communication styles that we've, we've run into that a few times yeah I, yeah, I will like you know immediately if you do if you did something. Yeah, you to do. Piss me off. <laughs> but but you that- never have to wonder when it comes to me. Nope. <laughs> and I don't think you need to wonder when it comes to me either. I mean, if if I'm 
If I can't deal with something, I'll let you know. Um, so uh, our next question is from Polka, and he wants to know where we saw the story head 10 chapters ago and how right or wrong we were. Do you want to start? Well, I'm kind of more curious. Like, I've been keeping a blog, so I know exactly what I was thinking mm. 10 years ago. <laughs> There's an actual physical record of what I was thinking. 10 about, chapters, not 10 years. <laughs> uh, 10 chapters ago. Like, there's an actual record uh, 10 chapters ago. And I actually did, because I saw this question, went back and looked, about, looked at it. So 10 chapters ago, mm-hmm. uh, I was confident that Zeke knew Aaron's plan and that he knew about the wine plot. I think we were both pretty confident on both of those. Neither of us had any delusions about Aaron being innocent or unaware. Yeah. Okay, so we both knew that. That was never, even though the polls and everything, people think that he knew. Let's not get into the wishful thinking yes, on the polls. Yes, we, <laughs> we were both right on that. Starting in chapter 105, I was very confident that when Zeke and Aaron did their royal fist bump, that Zeke was going to be the one to be able to access the founding Titan power. I wrote that, I think, in chapter 105, and then stated it again in like 109 and 110 and I thought there was going to be like a coordinate tug of war going on with Aaron trying to use the power mm-hmm. and Zeke being able to use it. And, you know, since Zeke is the royal, that he would have the upper hand. So maybe I'm not 100% right on that, but I definitely had that feeling 10 chapters ago or 15 chapters ago. Hmm. Well, um, 110 was, I guess, 10 chapters ago. Yep, that, so was, that was exactly. Liar exactly. slash counterfeit chapter. Oh, Okay. Yeah, exactly, in the shit machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Art is an explosion. That was, um, what did I think? I think we talked a lot about like where it was headed, and I think I thought there was a civil war coming, if I recall correctly, which, you know, it seems more um, probable now that all, you know, the heads of the military are gone, exactly, Pixis um, and um, Nile, and Hanji is mm-hmm. MIA. Yeah. So... It would be much easier to kind of take control of the full government for the Agorists now, but uh, I They're guess we saw the demise. <laughs> yeah, we saw the, the, the demise of the government anyway in the past uh, 10 chapters. And I think... It's more like anarchy now. Like Aaron Yeager and Zeke Yeager are, are in charge. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it ended with peak uh, reading that newspaper. Mm-hmm. That was the end of the chapter. So we knew the warriors were there, but I didn't think they would have uh, infiltrated the uh, the military. That was not on my list of things that I thought they would do. Aaron and Gabby meeting and Aaron telling Mikasa that he hates her was not something I thought would happen. Yeah, I think everyone thought he was doing this for them. And maybe he still is, but that, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a, a lot yeah, of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. 119 was a big, big surprise. Looking at the people who died and what happened to Falco. I mean, we all knew he was going to turn into a titan, but... I mean, this is a hard story to predict. No matter what, it's a hard story to predict. Yeah. I think I had hoped more for Reiner's involvement in this battle, at least up until this point. I think I wish that the 104 had turned against Eren more. And distance themselves, at least distance themselves from the Jaegers. I'm not saying that they should have teamed up with Marley, but... Since we're heading into that territory, let's move into the next question. What is your favorite crack theory or headcanon? This is also from Polka. Mm. 
since you're talking about your hopes and dreams. Hopes and, oh, favorite crack theory, um, Cole is still alive. <laughs> Falco will yeet him, yeet his um, charcoal body towards Zeke, and then Aaron's spinal <laughs> fluid will leak into his mouth, and <laughs> he'll start eating soup or something. I don't know. Something will happen. <laughs> That's in my head, kind of. Uh, head cannon, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm definitely expecting Aaron and Reiner to kind of improve the world for the better. Yeah, you're hoping your head cannon is them working together. Yeah. I'd like to yeah. see that as well. So my so. favorite crack theory on head, everybody knows, it's that his story's <sighs> pregnancy is revealed to be a hoax, <laughs> and the return of Aryamir in some capacity. I don't want to say alive, but. That that story's not over. So those are the two that I am. Yeah, my tinfoil head is not that yes. tight, so my crack <laughs> theories don't go that far. But oh yeah, Zeke's uh, gonna eat Aaron, and his spinal fluid is gonna drip into Colts, and then Aaron's spinal fluid yes. from his okay. capitated cranium is going to <laughs> <laughs> leak into Colts' mouth or something. His I want my boy body. to live. Okay. Oh. So one of our longtime supporters, King's Grave, sent mm-hmm. us the message. Congrats on the year of podcasts, always the highlight of my month. Do y'all have plans for a podcast after Attack on Titan manga and anime is over? So first of all, I would like to thank King's Grave because they always comment, always say nice things. So you've helped to make my year a highlight, King's Grave. Yeah, it's, it's always good seeing your name and it's always good seeing like our regular People that we don't know makes us feel like, you know, we're actually doing something good, something yeah. well. So I think we, uh, we mostly discuss what we would do when the manga is over. because That's what this podcast is mostly about, about the manga. And we've thought about, like, taking on another anime. <laughs> but I don't know if the name You Hear Big Girls would still work then, if we would talk about a different anime. See, I think it still works on some level, and that's why I was really excited post that as a name because it doesn't make a lot of sense but like to somebody outside of SNK but you hear big girls I mean it it's it I think it works I think we could rebrand it we've got a process going we've worked out the kinks we can do this we know we can do this so yeah I I'm not opposed to continuing if we can find something that catches our interest like Just Attack as much, on Titan did. yeah which is but going to be hard yeah and I am definitely ready for a break though I'm like <laughs> After this manga ends, I want to take up knitting, like Hanji suggested. I want to like <laughs> knit until I can knit a pair of socks. I'm going to stay out of fandom spaces. And I mean, that'll be my goal to like be able to like knit something that's wearable <laughs> and then get back into fandom. You're just going to hand out scarves to every like I, I'm gonna, I person make really, you see at a convention. I, I just pick up a new hobby for a little bit and then, yes, and that then can be, be ready to come back. Renamed then Grandma Taku. Grandma Taco, please. <laughs> Just knitting in a rocking chair all day. Wait, wait until I knit you a pair of socks. You're, you're going to be so excited. They're going to be like the best knit socks ever. Oh, that sounds itchy. <laughs> so I think we're open to the idea. We're open to the idea, but yeah, we really have to think about it. And it would probably happen after the manga is over. Even though the anime might end not too long after the manga ends, by the way, things are looking now. Okay, but we are planning on kind of doing something maybe in Japan together mm-hmm. when the series is over. So we'll see. Maybe we'll find something else. 
to connect. Yeah. That's what I was thinking right. too. Even if the even if the podcast ends, I don't see us ending ever. So yeah, <laughs> the next time something presents itself, I think we'd be ready to jump right onto it. Yeah. But it's good. Mom can learn how to knit and I can like become the next nefarious CEO and yes. marry someone with rich and adopt like 10 babies. Mm-hmm. And then we'll continue. <laughs> yeah, because with 10 babies, you'll need to hire somebody to watch them so that we can do this. Exactly. But, you know, that's why I'm marrying someone rich. I can hire or two or three nannies. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I won't have to spend time with those kids. God. That works for me. <laughs> I want to thank everyone who joined us for this month's podcast. Thank you so, so much for all your time and effort. Yeah, it made this one really special. So thanks. And if you uh, also enjoyed the podcast, please support us. You can do so by supporting us on Patreon, Ko-fi, leaving a review or a comment, or just by telling a friend. We do have two patrons at the moment, Kenny H. and Titan Yeager, and we're very, very appreciative of them. Because of them, we can afford our hosting and the software we use to edit these podcasts. So thanks as well, guys. Yeah, thank you both. If you'd like to be a guest on the You Hear Big Girls podcast, please go to our website, youhearbiggirls.com. There's a form, How to Be a Guest, that you can fill out so that we'll know about you and uh, you'll learn a bit about us and our process. Yeah, so please check out our website, youhearbiggirls.com. And while you're there, also check out some of the other things we have on offer, like photos from SNK events in Japan, courtesy of Coffee Life. Yep. So as always, thank you for offering your hearts and your ears and see you next month. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Mom, Taku, and Luna for having me on. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was a lot of fun being on again. One of the best experiences. <laughs> that sound is so sarcastic. <laughs> I'm pretty guys. sure it wasn't fine. meant yeah. sarcastically at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to redo it. <laughs> Thanks for the experience, Mom and Luna. No, <laughs> that came out even worse. <laughs> Wait, that was serious? <laughs> there, there is a hint of authenticity okay sperma ben you just earned it <laughs>